You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. We are back on the Oz Network for week four, and I guess kind of final week of the recaps of the DC Extended Universe. Everything leading up to Justice League, even though chronologically we are going back to the beginning here. So kind of movie number four slash movie number one. Uh, a couple of years you'll be listening to this episode and say it was actually movie number 17 because you missed the Shazam origin story in the 1600s or whatever. We'll eventually get there. Uh, for now, it is going to be 2017's Wonder Woman, uh, a.k.a. the first movie we cover twice within a year on the Oz Network. Uh, my name is Colin, and I am... I am... Uh, I am a spy! <laughs> And my name is Ben, and I'm both frightened and aroused right now. <laughs> Can I just point out, I just want to point out, like, I look all these quotes, and I was going to do the spy one, thinking, like, oh, Colin won't do that one. Oh, I'll do the spy one. That will be funny. And then as soon as you start going to I'm, a, I'm like, oh, don't you fucking dare. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, when you said you were frightened and aroused, I was wondering if you're looking at your profile pic or my profile pic on Skype right both. now. <laughs> <laughs> same time um yeah this we we talked about a little bit in the end of the last episode this will be a fun one to cover because at least jamie and i did do the review of this when it came out which we kept kind of spoiler free and uh now we get to cover it in great length which i think when we originally started the oz network it was our idea every time we did one of these reviews it's like yeah eventually we'll do the recap of yeah. this i'm like i don't know if we'll ever get around to that it takes so much to do these but this will be a fun one and also we're at the end of the, I guess, first four DC movies, uh, the, the lead up to Justice League. And it is kind of fitting that this is the last one because it's also the first story and the one that has the le- least to do with Justice League, the movie. Um, we kind of went through the uh, origins of <laughs> Wonder Woman experiences, if you want to call it that, which doesn't really leave us much to talk about because this movie is only a few months old. But uh, as I mentioned, you know, we saw this on opening weekend. We covered it in our review, me and Jamie. Um, I love this movie as soon as I saw it. I, I think it's it's different from all the other ones they've done, which is partly the period setting. Uh, but also just having a female director, I think that's going to be the main talking point in this, at least on my part, is just little things, subtle things I noticed throughout this where you're like, you know, I don't think a guy would have done it that way. And I'm not saying it's better or worse. It's just different. And I think it's fitting to have a movie like this. Uh, but since then, I think I've seen this This maybe my third time I've watched it, and uh, it doesn't really lose anything for me. I mean, I wouldn't say it's like Batman v Superman, where I saw it, you know, saw it a second time, and I'm like, yeah, not as good as I thought. Saw it a third time, like, yeah, that was better than I thought. I was sort of all over the place. But this, I think it's just consistent. You know, from seeing it opening night until now, I really don't lose any of my appreciation for it. I don't gain any of my appreciation. I think it's just an all-around solid movie that just holds up really well. For a movie that's, what, four months old, holds up great. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. I mean, like, I was going to, when we first started this month, I went into this having not seen Wonder Woman, and I think I told this story in the end of Suicide Squad that literally probably about three weeks ago, uh, I was a Friday night at home, sitting on the couch, Dad and I have eaten dinner. It's like, oh, do you want to watch a movie? I'm like, okay. So, like, we've gone on, like, uh, I guess it's one of those online box office things where you can, like, rent a movie for the night, like, on the internet. Like, it's here it's called, like, T-Box Telstra. I'm sure you've got versions of it there. Uh, and then, like, Wonder Woman was on there. So I was like, oh, do you want to watch Wonder Woman? Okay, sure. So I watched it for the first time that time, my non-note time. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, my dad didn't, but 
okay um, <laughs> but, oh he's so old <laughs> yeah. um but then yeah I, I this is only the second time i watched it and again enjoyed it uh, a lot as well and i think kind of this this wasn't like say suicide squad where i i maybe sort of avoided it in a way because i was like oh the reviews it was quite opposite with one woman obviously which we'll talk about i mean it was just stellar reviews and you were posting this about saying the best movie of the year and everything and i nearly did go and see this uh when i was traveling earlier this year when i was in alaska just didn't get around to it so i i, I just i guess it was just one of these things where you you want to see it you just it slips away from you um so, yeah, I, I wish I had seen this in cinemas, and I, I, I kind of agree with everything you said. I think, to me, sort of, I, and I listened to most of your spoiler-free review, because, uh, you know, as somebody who works tirelessly on this show, you'd think I'd listen to all these episodes, but <laughs> no. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's pretty much everything that you were saying, I, I agree with you and Jamie, and it's, it's interesting going back and listening to these episodes once you've seen the movie, because I, I did listen to a few of your episodes that I haven't seen the films, and, you know, that's where you get the spoiler-free part of it, but... um yeah, a lot of the things that you talked about in that, I'm sure you'll bring up in this episode as well, and I, I definitely agree with it. And, and the one thing to me which, you know, I find enjoy about, enjoyable about this is the fact that, I mean, it's a, it's a fairly long movie, um, but again, it's as often is the case with me, it's one of these films that it doesn't seem to drag on. Like, I mean, I know I sort of yeah. told the story to you about how, oh, I got 40 minutes into this, I had a bit of a rest and I came back. Um, that was nothing to do with the movie. I wasn't not enjoying the movie because then when I came and watched the remaining of it, like you sort of get to a point and you look at the timestamp, you're like, holy shit, it's only got 20 minutes to go. And given that the credits go for about 10 minutes, it's only got about 10 minutes to go. So, yeah, I enjoy this movie. Again, only seen it twice, but uh, this is definitely one that I think with all the, the DCEU ones is honestly they're films that I'm going to see myself in the coming years just like always putting these on for just watching them, you know, when the when Shazam comes out or, you know, when, you know, all these other ones come out, I'll easily be able to put them on rewatch. It's kind of like the Star Wars films. Like whenever the new Star Wars ones comes out, whether we're covering it or not, I'm going to rewatch them. The Jurassic Park ones, I'm going to rewatch them. I've got no issues with doing it. I'm going to find the same with all four of these films. So, yeah, long story short, I like Wonder Woman. This movie's been in development for a long time, like before there was ever a man of steel or uh suicide squad or anything like that i mean uh, i think it dates back to maybe even the 90s there were various versions of wonder woman that were in the works uh obviously there was the 1970s tv show with uh linda who spencer. started that one ben? linda spencer, <laughs> linda spencer. <laughs> <laughs> love linda spencer she was great she was the best wonder woman Oh, yeah. She was at least on level with Linda Carter, who played Wonder <laughs> Woman in the 70s show, which I don't know. Did you ever even see the Wonder Woman TV show? You just, oh. Or you just know the theme song? Uh, Wonder Woman! Like, I mean, it's just... Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I'd never watched it. I mean, it's, it's kind of like going back in my comic book history. It's like, you know, it's everyone knew who Wonder Woman was. Um, I'd seen clips of it here and there. I know on, yeah, my former radio show, when we, one of our questions, we would always ask, who was your childhood celebrity crush? Like... Linda Carter, Wonder Woman was a common answer for sort of men of a certain age. Um, and, you, you know, you'd seen the costumes. I used to always honestly get the Wonder Woman logo confused with the WWE logo. I'd always see, like, <laughs> women wearing, like, the... Like, they're fans of wrestling, okay. Um, but, yeah, I've never, I've never sat down and watched an episode, but I've seen bits and bobs here and there. I didn't actually see the show until maybe last year uh it's not aired on tv here i don't think it's ever been aired on tv here and i think we were somewhere in minneapolis or something like that and it was on late one night and it was a really good show it was different especially because the the first season it's kind of like this it was a period show it took place but that was all there ever was for live action wonder woman and you would think you know with superman and batman being as big as they were that it would have been like 
you know, guarantee you'd have a Wonder Woman movie. But I guess the battle's always been with doing female action heroes on screen. It's not a thing about Hollywood being sexist or anything like that. It's just, well, if you've never done that before, how do you pull it off? You know, people will say, well, what about Ripley in the Alien movies? Well, it's very different. She's not an action hero. She's, you know, a, a, a strong, I wouldn't even say feminine character. She's just a strong female character who happens to be being chased by aliens. It's not like she's sitting there doing backflips and uh, swinging a sword or anything like that. But the most famous attempted adaptation of this was, of course, 2005, when Joss Whedon, who, of course, was coming off of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel and all that, and uh, had a huge amount of success, at least as on a cult level, with the TV show Firefly and the movie Serenity he made. They hired him to do a Wonder Woman movie, and... Uh, it, it ended up being shelved because of, I guess, 2005 being a year that was famous for releasing several big-budget female action films. I think there was Catwoman, Elektra, and <laughs> Aeon Flux all in the same year. Wow. And all those movies failed, and it basically became a thing where all the studios, it wasn't just Warner Brothers, all the studios just said, we're not doing any more female superhero movies. And even Joss Whedon told that story. They said they just canned female action, not even superheroes, just action films. Uh, because there was no way to do it. And they, Wonder Woman, I guess, remained in development. as one of the few movies that remained in development for years. And eventually, they finally got it off the ground as they were launching this. And I think it was always a given. You were going to do Superman, you were going to do Batman, you are going to do Wonder Woman, then that would lead to a Justice League. But the Joss Whedon one is going to be one, before we even talk about this, to talk about, because uh, I always thought for years, well, that would have made a great you know, uh, Wonder Woman movie. Joss Whedon, uh, of course, with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, he's kind of considered like the man version of Patty Jenkins. Like he he un- understood strong female characters. And after the Wonder Woman movie came out, his script leaked online and it caused like, I don't know if you heard him about this. It caused like an outrage among people who just labeled it as like sexist on so many levels <laughs> and just complete garbage. And this is like Joss Whedon, the savior of the Marvel Universe with the Avengers movies, who's now come back in for Wonder Woman with Justice League on the reshoots and then soon to be the Batgirl movie. Uh, did you know anything about this Joss no. Whedon one, even when it was in development? I, I mean, I'd, I'd heard that it was a thing, but I'd never heard about the script being leaked or anything that was in it, no. Yeah, even if you just look up, you don't even have to read the script. If you just look up Joss Whedon Wonder Woman, there are tons of articles on there that just take screenshots, people tweeting screenshots after reading this, being like, what was he thinking? You know, things about uh, the women in Themyscira praying that a man would eventually come, you know, <laughs> so they could get laid. Things like that. It's just, <laughs> I never read the script. I don't want to judge the script because a lot of this could be like we talked about on the Man of Steel episode, the Tim Burton version where people for years were like, Tim Burton was going to put Superman in some weird futuristic, you know, suit with uh, all this weird black stuff coming out of it. And it turned out that that was like a two minute scene in the movie that was just helping him regenerate. It wasn't even part of it. But people will just jump to conclusions. Yeah. I just, I find it interesting that like 10 years earlier, the guy that everybody thought, you know, this is the perfect guy to do a Wonder Woman movie, developed it and then they shelved it. And it were probably lucky for that reason. And, you know, once we see Justice League in another couple of weeks, uh, we'll obviously have a different opinion on what Joss Whedon does to this. But movie long in development. And do you remember when they announced the Wonder Woman movie or when Gal Gadot was cast or any of that? 
Uh, it was interesting you say that because I'm just looking through here on uh, some of the the Wikipedia stuff about Wonder Woman and there's that photo uh, of Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman that was released before uh, Batman v Superman, which I think that was... I remember that. I like, you know, because everyone was talking about her costume and I think that was one you might have mentioned where people complaining that her boobs weren't big enough and, you know, people complaining that there's no red, white and blue on it so it's not like America and all this sort of stuff. So I remember all the talk about that because, you know, like I think that's always a thing with a lot of these superhero movies, isn't it? And it kind of, to me, is the... Uh, it's it's mainly the DC ones because I remember like when Man of Steel, they had the first Superman suit. Uh, you know, and Ben Affleck, the first Batman suit. And I know Spider-Man isn't DC, but when, you know, Andrew Garfield, first in the Spider-Man suit for The Amazing Spider-Man, then with um, with Spider-Man Homecoming and all that sort of stuff too, Tom Holland. So it's always a thing. But yeah, I, I think this is maybe the most talked about photo because like, I'm looking at it now and it's just, I just remember the reaction to it. And I also remember... Um, the, the trailer for Batman v Superman, the first one to include Wonder Woman. That's who everyone was talking yep. about. So that's mm-hmm. what I remember. Because I, I will say with Wonder Woman in general, kind of going back to your question about whether I'd seen the show or not, I, I guess, like, in all, as, as a fan as I am of the DC Universe, she's probably the, the one out of a lot of these superheroes that I know the least about in terms of, like, her powers and abilities. You know, I don't know, like, I'm learning that she's a god and I'm learning that she's come from Zeus and, you know, that she's, what, invincible and the aging thing, which I've got a question about at some point. But, yeah, like, I mean, you, you know Superman's powers. You know Batman's lack of powers, but money. You know, you know what the Flash can do. You know, you know sort of things like that. But it's, it's kind of... I, I enjoyed... Uh, part of what I enjoyed about, say, Batman v Superman and this with Wonder Woman is my first real taste of seeing this character more so than clips of the esteemed Linda Spencer playing her. Um, <laughs> is the fact that I'm learning more about her abilities at the same time, too, which kind of, to me... You know, I guess I see Wonder Woman as just the female superhero. I didn't know too much about what else she could do. So, as as a fan that isn't the biggest fan, clearly, because I didn't know much about her powers, I like the fact that I'm learning and thinking that she's, you know, a badass superhero uh, rather than just, oh, she's the token female superhero, if you know what I mean. You know, I never followed Wonder Woman comics very closely. Uh, my exposure to her was more from the Justice League comics or different crossovers that she'd have, you know, with Batman or Superman or anything like that. And uh, it was when I mentioned the same thing with uh, some of the other ones, Suicide Squad, particularly when DC rebooted all of their comics in 2011. It was for me, I'm like, this is a great opportunity where I'll just buy all because they, they called the new 52 and they took 52 different titles and said, we're starting them all over from scratch. These are all new origins. And uh, some of them, they weren't origins, but they would slowly tell backstories, but just rebooted every single one with a new continuity. And I'm like, this is a good opportunity to go back and learn a little bit about all these characters. So I read all 52 of the new 52. And the Wonder Woman one was one of the ones that grabbed me the most. And it's probably the one that I stuck with the longest. Like, I think I collected uh, for a good three years, all the Wonder Woman comics there. And that's a little bit closer to what the story is in this movie, at least with the um, uh, her being the offspring of Zeus, as opposed to just being, for, as they mentioned, the formed out of clay and everything like that. But I think the character uh, I learned more about from the animated movies that they had. You know, DC has a great lineup of uh, animated movies. One thing that I think they've always beaten Marvel on, and anybody will agree with, the DC animation is always better than Marvel. The animated movie they did uh, several years ago that one I saw and I was just kind of shocked at how violent the character was. 
And I always pictured, you know, maybe the Super Friends version of Wonder Woman, <laughs> where everything was so friendly. And when I saw this movie, I'm like, this almost could have been an R-rated animated movie. And that kind of got me interested in watching it. I mean, she really is a much more, I would say, a much more violent character than what we see with Superman. Because Superman, I guess there's a little bit of that optimism with him. And even with Batman, yeah, he's extremely violent, but he's also mortal. There's only so much he could do. With Wonder Woman, it was amazing. She, she basically is a goddess, and she's fighting other gods, at least in the comics, kind of like in this. It's Ares or whoever else. And they're just brutalizing each other. And I think it, that really got me. And I I find this movie to be very almost toned down for Wonder Woman, which is, you know, I'm not even saying that's a bad thing. It's just interesting. But, yeah, it's it's a character I think I became familiar with slowly. Uh, but particularly over the last couple of years, I think they did really great things with it. I think this movie captures everything. And even the period setting's great. Uh, going back to the original comics, uh, which I guess the original comics were World War II, and here they place it in World War One. But uh, it, it's a fun movie overall. I, I, we'll go through a lot of this, but the humor that's in this movie, there's a lot of people online who are trying to say, well, they injected a lot of humor into it because of the negative reception of Batman v Superman. Well, they didn't have time to do that. They were filming this movie before that came out, basically. Yeah. Uh, I think this was just the natural progression of what they wanted. They're doing a period movie, and you know, let's give it a lighter tone. Let's give it a lot of comic relief. Chris Pine was cast you know, long before we talk about that picture. That's kind of how the movie's going to start. The, the, the comic tone of this movie sets it apart from the others, and I don't know if it's just that or the fact that this is a backstory, that it feels like it is like an origin story or a prequel to everything else. And it doesn't even necessarily fit with the three we've seen up until now. And maybe won't even fit completely with justice league. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I think kind of in watching it, I, I definitely feel this is an in- interconnected universe and I can see your point. Like it's, it's a lot lighter on tone than I guess Batman V Superman definitely and man of steel. But I think, you know, suicide squad had that tone to it as well. It was just maybe a bit, this is more of Grittier. a, Yeah. And, and I guess Wonder Woman is more solid in terms of the plot line, whereas, you know, as we picked a few parts of Suicide Squad, there's a few gaping holes in it. I, I, I definitely feel that when you watch these four films back-to-back like we have, you feel they're all connected in a way. And, like, it's like... It's interesting kind of how this one is, though, like how it's sort of the start of it when, you know, she's kind of connected with Wayne, the, the truck and the photo, and then it kind of goes into the flashback. Um, and then the way it ends, obviously, with her, you know, a bit of an email there to Bruce Wayne. And it's kind of, I said, I think in Suicide Squad, that this is maybe the least connected to all four of them. And maybe you'd argue mm-hmm. it's this one that's actually the least connected to all four of them. But I, I, I just kind of think this is sort of your, um, you know, like, as you were saying, like your origin one, It's you, you can probably, I think I said this is Suicide Squad, I'm going to say it again with this one. You can probably watch this without having to watch the other ones as well. Um, mm-hmm. as as a standalone one, and and like I mean, I just mentioned to you off air about how I'm finally going through my Marvel rewatch, and I know I've started at the beginning with Iron Man. I'd seen Iron Man before, but I mean, you know, like having seen Spider Man Homecoming to Iron Man, like I mean, I'm, I'm guessing, I mean, you've seen all the Marvel movies that Iron Man almost is kind of like a Wonder Woman. You can just watch it standalone and not have to watch everything yeah. else. So, um, but you, they also still connect with each other. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think kind of, I, I feel it's more connected maybe than, than you just sort of mentioned, but I also see your point that it's kind of, you can see this almost as just standalone and not necessarily as part of this world that we're obviously covering in the last month. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're getting an origin story with her, at least as Wonder Woman. And the closest we've had to an origin for anybody up until now was Man of Steel. And we talked about in the Man of Steel episode that they danced around that so much every time they got into his origin they'd cut away 
you know, we have all the stuff on Krypton and then you see the ship and it crashes on Earth and they just cut to decades later. And here we get the whole backstory. I mean, even just the opening scenes, which I guess we'll start on here with uh, obviously it starts post Batman v Superman and she's I don't know what city is she supposed to be in here Paris or something Ugh, Paris yes Ugh, the French <laughs> but when she shows up the, the Eiffel Tower gave it away for me I don't know if you saw that but uh... that's what it was yeah I knew there was something in there I recognized as being thought it might have been French. Vegas uh but then the Louvre <laughs> the, the Louvre whatever you fucking say it's French who cares yeah. and then the French people sort of gave it away but you know maybe it could yeah. have been Vegas uh, I don't know. it could have been the French district of Flin Flon Manitoba for all I know I mean, I've never the French Paris. district of Snug uh. yeah <laughs> But you know, the armored vehicle shows up, it's Wayne, you know, they're just trying to remind the audience, hey, this is all connected and everything, and she gets the original copy, as Bruce writes on here, I found the original copy of this photo, maybe now you'll tell me the story. This scene is completely pointless, other than to remind you some of this stuff is taking place before Justice League and post-Batman v Superman, uh, and is just a way to set up, well, what is the backstory behind this picture? But you mentioned in the last episode, or not Suicide Squad, but... Uh, in Batman v Superman, that um, having this picture, how cool it was that they had that in that movie, even before this had really filmed, or I guess they had just, they were getting going on production on Wonder Woman. Uh, So it was probably a last minute thing they added. And when that picture showed up, I remember being surprised because I had heard that Chris Pine was cast. And then they see this picture on screen and it's Chris Pine in there. I'm like, wow, I mean, is this movie already filmed? Like, can we read the spoilers yet? But the picture just sort of sets up this whole backstory, which I guess the whole first section of the movie we'll talk about that starts on Themyscira, maybe not all of it, because there's a lot there. Um, you're just seeing all the different, you know, Amazonian warriors here, and it is an all-female society, which there's some interesting ways that Patty Jenkins handles this that I think, again, a guy wouldn't have necessarily thought of or done or even just uh, had the intuition that, you know, an audience would accept it. Uh, but... And it's interesting if you look at the images of these women, I mean, they're all over the place, not just in terms of their ethnicities or what they look like, like even just in talks in terms of physical beauty. I mean, you have some there that are like Gal Gadot and they're stunning. And you have some, and I'm not even being disparaging, but like they're just your average woman or maybe slightly below average <laughs> as far as uh, attraction goes to them. But I actually appreciate that because she wasn't going out of her way to be like, this is a society of like the most beautiful women you've ever seen because that's not really what the movie's about. It's just yeah. these are warriors and it's who they are. And it's kind of, you'll find a lot about that later on when you see about the society and even just the way that they respond to the men. They're aware of what men are, but they don't have the same urges. It's not like Joss Whedon's script <laughs> where like somebody come down and give me a good lay. <laughs> it's How did you know what I pray just, for at night? Yeah, <laughs> but I just I really like that you see all these different types of like ethnicities and that some of the women are, you know, kind of like these really rough looking warriors and the other ones look like supermodels on horseback. But I think if a man made this movie, they would all be like perfect looking women. It wouldn't even necessarily be, well, you have to have, you know, hot women on there. It would just be that's the way a guy would look at it, say, well, a society of perfect women would look like this. And Patty Jenkins is like, a society of perfect women would just be perfect at what they do. So I'm turning, I'm turning into feminist voice here on the Oz Network. But oh, no, look little out. things you pick up on when you watch this movie with your wife on opening night. Yeah, I would know what that's like. Um, I can't wait to find <laughs> out what you think. What you think of little Diana here? You and your hatred for children. Well, it's, uh, it's hatred for children who can't act. Like 
Okay, see, that's... I was wondering what you thought of her, because I'm going to say this little girl is the best actress in the world, and I'll get to it in a minute. In the world? Um, <laughs> in the world, yes, and you'll find out why. Uh, so... I actually wrote my notes, Ben hates little Diana and so does the tutor or nanny. <laughs> because this nanny's just chasing her. She's just a troublemaker. Uh, she tries to jump off of a cliff as she's watching all these Amazonian women, you know, on the horseback doing battle scenarios and stuff like that. And I wonder, would she have actually died if she did that? That's a question that'll come up later in the movie. Uh, obviously, her mother catches her. Did her mother or did her auntie... Uh, antiope catcher. <laughs> um, what's an anti antiope? Is that like um? Well, antiope is her aunt. Well, is that uh, Robin AKA... Wright? Yeah. No, I don't think it was. Oh no, Robin Wright sees her. She looks over her shoulder and she kind of has that little smile, doesn't she? Okay. She's so like, oh, look at her. She's not Frank Underwood, but um. <laughs> but, but anyways, the whole setting here is that she's really ambitious. She wants to be, you know, the 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 warrior Amazonian warrior queen. Uh, we, you know, get a little bit of history here with the storybook at night, and it's a cool little storybook. They get, like, 3D storytelling. It's not so over the top where, you know, the people are coming alive and speaking the storybook, but you see there's, like, a little bit of a different technology there, and you find out all about, like, the history of the gods uh, with Zeus and Ares and all the others, the history of men and how men were perfect, and then Ares corrupted them, and, you know, the Amazonians, it, it is a little bit convoluted, like, the Amazonians were created to bring balance to the humans again, but they're just there to kill gods. And, like, you don't really get what's going on. A little bit like uh, Clash of the Titans or Hercules here. Uh, that's one of the things I always like reading the Wonder Woman comics. So they get into a lot of the Greek mythology stuff. But ultimately, Ares ends up being the only god who, I guess, survives other than Zeus. And the Amazonians are just hidden away. That's what Themyscira is. Uh, we get... Uh, little bit here about the god killer which is mentioned and they show a sword and i'd love to go back and watch because i miss it every time and i always want to watch and maybe you were paying close enough attention during your nap here that you figured it out (laughs) (laughs) but does she come right out and when they're talking about the god killer say this is the god killer or is it sort of like let's stand here in front of this random sword as i'm motioning my hand but not specifically saying this is the god killer like did you catch Uh, it and i didn't catch that but um no, I, I, yeah, I, I was probably asleep then, so... Um. Okay. <laughs> well, her her mother, uh, and we have, like, two really great actresses here, I guess, consider them, like, 90s, early 2000s actresses. You know, Connie Nielsen, who's playing the mother, and uh, uh, Robin Wright, as you said, who's playing the oh. aunt. And just getting these really uh, established, respected actresses uh, doing Gal Gadot's accent, and we talked about this in our review episode clever ways that they hid Gal Gadot's lack of acting ability. And again, not meaning that disparagingly, it's like she's not uh, a very experienced actress. And there were complaints in Batman vs Superman about her accent being too strong. And what do they do in this movie? They just have everybody imitate her accent, <laughs> <laughs> which I guess it makes sense. And you watch the movie and it's no longer distracting. If you can't understand Gal Gadot, uh, she's obviously improved a lot in the year since the movie was made. Yeah. Uh, but this is where the little girl is the best actress in the world because this little girl can do a Gal Gadot accent. And you kind of have to wonder, how come Gal Gadot can't do, I don't know, an Amazonian accent or an American accent? Or what anything? is an Amazonian accent? How does that go? <laughs> I think it sounds very Israeli. That would be yeah, my okay. guess. Because <laughs> the Amazon and Israel are very close. They're bordering uh, areas yeah. of the world. So, yeah. yeah. And I'm going to wonder later on where the Amazon is. I mean, 
they have to clearly establish here this isn't the Amazon like maybe it was in the early comics. It is they're the Amazonians, but they're sort of hidden away somewhere, you know, locked out of the rest of civilization. Um, but she wants to train. Her mother doesn't want her to. So Auntie Antiope, <laughs> which I'm probably the only one who caught that Auntie... June Moon. I, I, yeah, exactly. The first time I saw this movie, I think she, I thought she was calling her Antiope. Like, she was her Aunt Ope. But no, it's her name is Antiope, and she's her auntie. So, <laughs> isn't that funny? Yeah, Auntie hilarious. Antiope. <laughs> Uncle Uncleope. Uh. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Who's also a woman. Yeah, in exactly. Yes. Gender neutral. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, he doesn't identify on his passport. No, exactly. <laughs> it's 2017, Canadian. people. Come on. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, but yeah, she decides to train her, which I-, I found that the mother was a particularly bad mother at this point, that it takes her probably a good five or six years by the next time we see Diana here that she actually catches on, you're training my daughter in secret. Like, where does she think she was going with her all the time? Uh, but she, it, it also bothers me a little bit that it's so easy to convince her. You get the impression this is a forbidden thing. No, you're not going to train my daughter. And then all of a sudden, she trains her in secret. It's like, your mother can never know about this. And she finds out, you've been training my daughter. Yeah, well, it's a really good idea if you think about it. Hmm. Well, when you put it that way, I guess she should be the god killer. <laughs> A little bit too quick. Um, uh, other than that, we get uh, flash forward to Diana as an adult training. And this is the first introduction of braces, which in the comic, different variations. But I guess, although she has superpowers, these you know, wrist braces or whatever give her like tremendous power. And we see it here during the training session with Robin Wright, you know, where she kind of clanks them together and there's like a nuclear explosion. Uh, and I never could read this scene, whether it's everybody's kind of afraid of her uh, or if this is something like she does all the time because Diana doesn't really respond to it. So I'm not quite sure what the whole point was of the scene. If it was supposed to be, well, that shouldn't have happened. Like she must be the God killer. Look what she could do. But then I would think, well, Diana doesn't respond. So maybe there's some interpretation that you have. Uh, Diana kind of runs away here is like, don't go near her. And uh, we see a plane crashing, which will Cut it off there before we get to the introduction of the great shirtless Chris Pine. As Jamie sits behind me, distracted by a video game. Um, <laughs> Is it the undressed Chris Pine PlayStation 4 game? Or? Yeah. <laughs> it's Steve Trevor takes a bath on <laughs> Nintendo Switch. What's that? <laughs> uh, have at it, Ben. Uh, here's your opportunity to talk about Robin Wright. <laughs> oh. The first 20 minutes of the movie. Can I just first of all point out, we'll get Gal Gadot out, out of the way. Um, like, <laughs> um, the guy, Wonder Woman was like, let's get Gal Gadot out of the way. Look, let's be honest. Uh, when it comes to actresses from Israel, there's only one that we need to mention, and that's Natalie Portman. Don't dare. Oh. <laughs> this podcast, you're finishing DC Month yourself. <laughs> um, I, have, look, I, I don't dislike Gal Gadot. I'm just being a dick. But um, yeah, I, I think I, I listen in your in the recap one, the preview, uh, the review, whatever it was. Um, now available via the Oz Network. Uh, and you sort of the way you described her, saying that you know they kind of played her acting range in this movie, and I think that I think she does a fine job. I, I think that she kind of plays it 
sort of, you know, she's naive, she's strong, she's, you know, just tough and all everything along that. And, like, yeah, she's not the best actress. She's, I mean, she's not an actress. She's a model. Um, and mm-hmm. she's, she's learning on the job. This is the thing with her. I mean, in five years' time, when we've had, like, 20 Wonder Woman films, like, she's probably going to be fantastic. I'm not saying she's not fantastic now, but you will go back and watch her from, like, day one uh, and then see the improvement. Um, you know, I mean, this is a random comparison, but like back in my days of watching Home and Away, like, you know, they had a habit of, because it's a soap opera, let's hire a model and teach them to act. And there was one mm-hmm. character on it who was a cop who I remember she was terrible. She was so bad at the beginning. But then she actually, by the end of it, she was actually a really good actress. Chris Hemsworth. I mean, for God's sakes, go back and watch Home and Away Wait. clips from him. Back when he was on Home and Away, the guy had one facial expression, couldn't act, took his shirt off, and nobody even noticed that he couldn't act. And now, and now here we are in 2017, <laughs> and what's different? <laughs> he's got nice personality in interviews. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, I saw that trailer for Ranganok. He was kind of funny when he's like, I know him. We work together. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, you know, good point. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I like Gal Gadot. She's great. But the, the, this little girl actress, uh, her name is Lily Aspel. Um, again, I'm not you that I just hate all old people. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I like a child actress when they can act and they're not like an annoying little shit. Um, like, she's not an annoying little shit and she can act. So I like her. She's good. I like that kind of little scene when she's there watching them fight. She's like going, whoa, 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 whoa. she's like doing Dom- uh, Carver from um, T- Tomorrow Never Dies. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> um, so I, I, I kind of like that little scene with her. Um, so, yeah, I have nothing against her at this point. But, yeah, Robin Wright. Oh, God, I love this woman. Um I mean, you, you make an interesting point, like, there about how, yeah, these women, you've got your beautiful women, you've got your just, your standard women. I'm not going to say unattractive women. They're just, they're just a mix of, you know, women. And, like, Robin Wright, like, on the grand scheme of who I'm generally attracted to on the outside is not somebody who I would necessarily be like, Pwah! you know, she's, you know, yeah. But, like, just her in general and just, like, Claire Underwood. And, yeah, okay, Jenny was a bit of a bitch in Forrest Gump, but... <laughs> <laughs> Jenny's in this. <laughs> <laughs> Different Jenny. Um, you still kind of, you know, were slightly forgiving of Jenny because it was Forrest Gump, you know? Like, yeah, okay. She got AIDS and died. But, like, well, it's not specifically <laughs> pointed out that it was AIDS, but it's implied. Anyway, but... Um, yeah. But yeah, I just, oh God, I love this woman. I just love her to bits. And like when I first watched this a few weeks ago, I'm like, holy crap, Robin Wright's in this movie. And then what happens to her, I got sad. And she's only in it for what, like 20 minutes. But even just like her, the character that she's playing with, Auntie Anta, Ant, I'm going to call her Antelope. Uh, Ante, Ante, <laughs> Antiope, Antipope, Antipope. She's Antipope. <laughs> Um, but like, just like the strong-wielded woman. Just I love that scene when she's like fighting with Gal Gadot. She's like, you know, when she's like, don't hold back. Like, you know, you keep doubting yourself. No, I don't. Yes, you do. And just like the way she's just like training her. Um, it's just it's just awesome. I love all these like opening scenes and um, even um her mother who that's um uh Funny Nielsen. yeah she's uh um Gladiator right she's yeah. um the sister Gladiator yeah yeah. I Mission thought- to Mars, One Hour Photo, one of our favourites. Uh, yep, yep. So, you know, I've, I've just kind of... Of course she's going to have issues. Like, she was, you know, being fought over by Russell Crowe and Joaquin Phoenix. Like, I mean, you know, <laughs> like, I think we'd have some issues that. But, um, yeah, I, I like that you pointed out. It's like, no, you must not train. Oh, but she's pretty good. 
okay, she can train. Yeah. <laughs> but later on, it's like, oh, I must leave the island and go fight the war. No, you must stay here. Next minute. Oh, you're going on a boat. I cannot stop you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The children just rule this world. Like, parents have no authority here. <laughs> but my question here is like, okay, I get it. It's mythological. It's gods. Like, you know, oh, you were created by clay. Okay. Um, but, like, nobody on this island ages, I'm guessing. So why does, like, Diana age to a woman... Well- and then from okay. her, like, she, do they just stop and go, oh, she's beautiful. She never ages anymore. <laughs> or is it, is it like they just age so slowly that it's not noticeable? Like, Wolverine is hundreds of years old, <laughs> and he starts getting his first gray hairs when he's, like, 250 or something like that. True, but, I mean, so the, but the, then how long is this first bit set over? Because, like, this is, like, Gal Gadot <laughs> in 1918 World War, which is in 2017, you know, Paris. She looks the same as she did back in the war. So that's well, 100 and, what, 100 years on, and she hasn't aged. So it's like 100 years is one year in Amazonian world. <laughs> Yeah, well, let's look at Connie Nielsen, because she kind of led this Themyscira battle. She was the the one who freed them from, you know, their slavery or whatever. You know, she's, I guess, the actress, you know, in her 50s now, probably still looks like maybe early to mid 40s. She probably looked like a teenager when she led that uprising. So if that was like thousands of years ago, then maybe you age like a few weeks every decade or something like that. True, maybe. I'm not sure. Um, the one thing I've got to say about the Amazonians and where are we, Thyskira or however you say the place, Themyscira, um, it's, they live a pretty, pretty shit life, don't they? Like, and this is not me trying to, like, their whole purpose is to wait for somebody to show up to create war. Like, oh, he's coming one day. Ares is still out there. Like, well, <laughs> and are they even waiting for somebody to show up? Because somebody does show up and it's clearly a war and they're like, I don't know why you jumped to the conclusion this is Ares. And, and, but then, I mean, you're right that even when they show up, it's like the whole purpose of being alive is we must save the world from war. And now they've got proof. Oh, no, but we mustn't get involved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> somebody else is fight. Guardians. We're Switzerland. <laughs> we sit back. We watch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Their whole existence in life is to do this. And then when it comes to them, they're like, oh, no, it's okay. Um, the one thing I, I want to point this out now, and you you pointed it out in the, the review. I keep, look at me, bringing up as referenced by Colin Hilding. Um, I'll mention as referenced by Jamie Hilding, but we haven't got to Chris Pine naked yet. Um, <laughs> the um, one thing that I, I like about, you know, any form of media, maybe movie, TV shows and this sort of stuff, and... It's when we get, say, a strong female character, or a strong, I guess, character in some form of, I don't want to say minority, that's not the correct word, but I guess something where it's its not your norm, like you're used to seeing your straight white male, that's generally what yeah. the norm is, so it's like, oh, we've got a strong female, let's emphasise it, we've got a gay character, let's emphasise it, you know, I yeah. like it when we watch something and it's not shoved down your throat, like, this is a strong woman, you've got to pay attention to this, like, this is so different, like, it's like, 
Yeah. In, you, as you reference in your review, there's only maybe two or three times in this whole film where it's like, oh, it's a woman. She shouldn't be in here. But, like, that's all comes mm-hmm. down to the time it was set, as you say in the review. Because, like, it's the, you know, 1917, 1918, when, yeah, women necessarily didn't have the rights. You talked a little bit about this in Titanic, about how they kind of overly shove it down your throat. Whereas this time around, they don't. And this is what... I appreciate about this film that I can watch this movie and not one point do I have to think to myself, holy crap, this is a woman kicking ass. This is unusual. Like, it doesn't seem indifferent at all. And that might come down to Patty Jenkins' directing style, uh, anything along those lines. But this is what I really appreciate about this film as from a male perspective is that I in no way am taken out of this assuming I'm watching anything different than what I'm used to. I'm just watching a kick-ass superhero kicking ass. I don't need to be, you know, told every five seconds that she's a woman and this is unusual. So that's what I really appreciate about this. And even these opening sequences, like at no point am I watching this thinking like, oh, these are all women. This is unusual. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, it's great. It's great Mm. fighting. It's great choreography. It's great setting. It's great everything. And I don't give a flying fuck if I'm watching men or women. It's just great to watch on cinema. So I just wanted to point that out at the beginning here that I really appreciate about this film that it's not shoved down your throat over the top wise uh, and only done in a few scenes when it kind of, it's needed. Yeah. And the other thing, and I don't remember if I mentioned this or not in the review, but I don't think that the perception of what men want in a movie or the perception of what women want in a movie has been right at any point. And it's kind of funny that this is a movie that has reached both male and female audiences and they've been able to introduce a female action star in a way that's acceptable. As you said, by not shoving it down your throat, it's so subtle what she does in this movie. She never draws attention to the fact that they're women. They never draw attention to the fact that they're women. Uh, even the scenes that come up later on, like the the scene with all the politicians and everything like that. You know, you if you were somebody else making this movie, not you personally, Ben. Huh? <laughs> if you were a different person making this... You would know it's a woman in this role if it was me making the movie. <laughs> if James Cameron, who of course was so critical that this movie, you know, uh, was uh, not feminist enough, you know, if he made this movie, that scene would have been every single man in the room being, a woman's not allowed to be in there. Get down on your hands and knees and, you know, lick my shoe. <laughs> and then... The women be like, you can't treat women like that. We're people too. But the way that they play even that scene, and this is jumping way ahead, but it's they're all responding like, what's she doing here? And the scene could just as easily be interpreted as, she doesn't have clearance. What do you have a secretary in there? And I don't care if yeah. it's a man or a woman. You don't bring a secretary into a, you know uh, an intelligence briefing. So at no point do they draw attention to the fact that these are anything other than just warriors. And the way the action scenes are filmed, you know, other movies like Aeon Flux or Electra or whatever, the way that they fight has to be so overly feminine. And here they, I'm not even saying they fight like men. It clearly is a different way of fighting. It's a little bit more elegant, but it's just the way a woman would move if she were fighting. You know, they probably studied female martial arts and stuff like just see, okay, what's the difference between the way that, you know, uh, Chow Young Fat moves in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon versus the way Michelle Yeoh moves in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And there's a bit of a difference. It's just, it's really clever the way they focus on that instead of focusing on, let's tell the audience this has to be different. And that's why every other movie failed before now, because you were so over the top about it that the audience, they didn't want to watch. And when you present something in a subtle way, the audience will sit there and they'll buy whatever you tell them for the next two hours and 20 minutes. I agree. Completely agree. And I think 
Like, I mean, you never even hear her reference at one point in this film as Wonder Woman. You never even hear that, mm. um, which I think, I mean, like, on the grand scheme of things, these, these characters' names are, you know, like, <laughs> you really want to call a female superhero now Wonder Woman, like, a Superman, like, you know, probably not. But, like, you know, it's still even in the Man of Steel films that you, you didn't really hear Superman reference in Man of Steel much, and then I guess you did a bit in Batman v Superman. But, I mean, the thing that, to me, and this is probably something you can talk about at the end of the film and me just going on a tangent, the thing that kind of then makes is that everything we've just referenced over the top and then you kind of do make a point of it. You know, little things like, let's have female-only screenings and things like that. It's just kind of like, you you don't need to go to a point like that. And you get dickhead James Cameron coming out and going, oh, this isn't feminist enough. And things like that. Like, I mean, we get to that at the end of the movie. This movie speaks volumes enough of how successful it is. It speaks volumes enough in terms of, you know, what this did for, you know, leading female superhero movies in cinema and things like that that's opened doors and possibilities. So I think everything that this film has done speaks volumes enough without having to make a thing out of it as much as it has in certain aspects. Yeah, okay, there are certain things you would argue you do need to point out. But, like, I mean, I'm, you know, even just in interviews and everything, like, Gal Gadot, how do you feel about being this, this, this? And, again, like... I live for the day, Colin Hilding, where we live in a society where we, it, it's not even a question. We don't have to sit here and talk about, oh, the, the feminist points of this movie, this sort of stuff. We, I just want to live in a world where it doesn't matter. Who gives a fuck if it's a woman or a yeah. man? And Who gives a flying fuck? It's a good film. That's what I want to come out for it as. We don't need to have those conversations or debates at the end of it. So, And I, I hope that this is the film that, well, one of the many, that can kind of lead us towards that. There we go. Ben on his soapbox. Powering equality. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> all right uh the feminist voice of the oz network is back <laughs> telling us to all stop talking about women and men <laughs> I, i'm ta- i'm tarzan from survivor one world i'm sick of talking about race i don't care what color you are <laughs> uh so the next i guess second half of the femiscira part of this uh movie obviously starts with you know the the crash that diane is witnessing is uh you know, she's running away from trying to kill Auntie Antiope and the plane crashes. And this is straight out of like every comic, every version of Wonder Woman that's ever been written. This is the one consistent thing is that while she's on her island, uh, you know, in the middle of nowhere, a pilot, you know, a spy crashes and she finds him and then she leaves with him to go fight a war. That's what the story's always been. So even just the images here, I mean, they, they, they perfectly capture what anybody who's familiar with the comic storyline would have associated this with. And we get introduced to Chris Pine, uh, who's drowning, <laughs> saved by Wonder Woman. I talked about in the last episode, who was it that I compared to being the, de- uh, that Rick Flagg was basically the damsel in distress of Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go as far as to say they did that with Chris Pine. I think when the, this movie was made and, uh, you know, I was telling people, oh yeah, the Wonder Woman movie, you know, they got this, you know, actress, quote unquote actress from the Fast and Furious movies. And then, but Chris Pine's in it. Like, well, who's Chris Pine playing? I'm like, well, Steve Trevor. And when they didn't know who Steve Trevor was, and if you don't know, Ben, uh, Steve Trevor is like uh, one of the biggest characters in the DC universe. He's, I, I guess, like the gov- one of the government ones like uh, Amanda Waller, but more of a leader like Nick Fury or something like that. So mm-hmm. he's a huge character, not just in Wonder Woman, but everything else. And if they didn't know who it was, I kind of joked and said, well, he's Wonder Woman's damsel in distress because that's <laughs> kind of what he's created for. Uh, even though the premise is, well, she's his secretary. That was always sort of, even in the earliest comics, a bit of a joke. But 
here they don't handle him that way and i like that even the beginning he actually saves his life but from that point on like he's fighting alongside the rest of them and they don't try to diminish his role as the male lead of this movie uh in any way just like i think people have criticized some action movies like well they diminish the role of female the ones that get praised are the ones that don't diminish the role of female and you know we talked for a long time about the James Bond movies trying to make Bond equals. Well, stop trying to make it equal and just make a strong character. Yeah. They don't try to make him one-up Wonder Woman here, but he's strong on his own. And obviously when she pulls him on the shore, uh, he's kind of looking up in awe. And another thing that struck me about this movie and something different that I don't want to give it all to Patty Jenkins because even in the review I pointed out what a lot of people are ignoring when they're talking about this big feminist story is that the, man, the movie was written by a man. And it was written by a man who's famous for shows like <laughs> Grey's Anatomy and the OC oh. and Sex in oh, the City, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> obviously he has this feminist voice, but it was still written by a man. Uh, but give some credit either to the script or Patty Jenkins here that they don't do the typical thing where he's staring at her and he's suddenly in love with her and she's staring at him. He's like, a man, you know? <laughs> oh, we've been praying for this to come down to have a good lay. Yeah, this is what Joss Whedon told us all about. Um, <laughs> it's just, they're kind of looking at each other like, wow, this is different. What are you doing here? And she's like, hey, it's a man, isn't it? Uh, the, the line that they have here where she goes, you're a man. He goes, yeah. I uh, I mean, <laughs> do, do I don't, don't look I look like, like one? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Chris Pine, I had no knowledge of who he was before Star Trek. Uh, I loved him in Star Trek. Seen it a couple of things since then, like Jack Ryan, which... You know, I thought he did okay as Jack Ryan, but it's not, you know, his strength really is comedy. And I think what he did in Star Trek was bring so much humor to Captain Kirk, which is kind of an over-the-top dramatic character. He is the comic relief of this movie uh, for pretty much the entire duration, and yet you take him seriously as a character. I can't say enough good things about Chris Pine here, but even just the way he delivered that one line, don't I look like one? Like, he stumbles through his lines in a way that it doesn't feel like he's delivering a one-liner and somehow it makes it funnier. Uh, and then after that, the Nazi battle, as I mentioned, he gets to take part in that. We get to see a lot of cool shots of the. This is the Amazonians in action, and just like you know, we're not trying to have Chris Pine upstage uh, Gal Gadot, and it's not Gal Gadot upstaging everybody. I mean, Wonder Woman really does nothing during this battle. She's just sort of standing there <laughs> uh, like an idiot <laughs> as all the elders are fighting around her. And I think the coolest shot is obviously the one where Robin Wright takes the, the leap off of the shield and then shoots the arrows directly mm. at the camera, which is just a fantastic image. Uh, but this whole battle is great. And I, I love the visual too, of how the border of Themyscira, you know, outside it's foggy, it's dark. And then the one soldier sticks his head in. And it's not like an immediate change. It's just sort of like, well, that slowly got really bright and sunny and warm. And he takes his head. Like it, it just looks really cool. Uh, I do have to wonder, though, like, is this just opposite world? Yeah. Because it's daylight here, but they have nighttime in Themyscira. So are their hours completely reversed? Like, what it's, happens it's during the daylight It's the international dateline. Like, there's just... You know, yeah. <laughs> it crosses over. Like, we have fall back and spring forward. They have it... This is like Australia. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You fall back, you fall forward. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's literally it's literally Australia. Uh, that's, yeah, that's right. That's I saw all this fighting is. happening five minutes ago before I started this episode. <laughs> I walked outside. Oh, there's the Amazonians just fighting the Germans. <laughs> ben is one of the slightly less attractive female warriors in Australia. <laughs> yeah, it's not the worst thing I've ever been called. So, 
Ben. That's I'm gonna put that uh, on my Tinder profile. Hang on a second. The slightly less attractive <laughs> female warrior, as seen in Wonder Woman. Hashtag girl power. Um, and this, of course, ends as Ben said sadly with Anti Antio taking a bullet for Gal Gadot. Um, second bit of this is really just finding out who Steve Trevor is. Uh, another one of those ways where he just plays this humor so well and so, uh, I guess kind of like stuttering and not, not like stuttering Andrew Garfield, but just <laughs> like the lines he's not even tending to do it. It's like, uh, so who are you? I can't tell you. It's like, uh, what's your name? Uh, I can't tell you that either. It's like, well, how are we supposed to believe you? Uh, I can't tell you that, you know? And then th- they just cut immediately to him in this lasso. And he's like, so what are you doing here exactly? <laughs> and then, my name is Steve Trevor. I am Officer Whatever. My uh, dog tag number is blah, 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 blah. And then when she's like, this is a lasso. I'll make you tell the truth. He goes, but it's really hot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of burning up here. <laughs> and that's where he has that line where he's like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a spy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this leads to his backstory where he tells all about his spy work uh with um dr poison's introduced which i wasn't i I have gone back and read old wonder woman comics but it's not like a character that really jumped out at me so i did a little bit of research and even though i've read the first issue which i guess is one of the very first wonder woman issues ever uh dr poison aka dr maru is one of the first characters that was ever introduced in the comics in like the 1941 or 1942 and the look was very different. And I think this is one of the reasons that it didn't occur to me when I saw the movie, because in the comic, she's wearing so much of a like a mask, you can't tell even if this is a man or woman. That's kind of the gimmick. Well, is it a man? Is it a woman? We don't know what Dr. Poison is. But with Ludendorff and Dr. Poison here, I mean, the villains are so over the top. And even though this is a movie kind of very fantasy, like Lord of the Rings-like here, you know, this this perfect world like elves where they can, you know, slide down... Uh, stairs on a shield or jump across moving rocks like Orlando Bloom, <laughs> except they're all women. Uh, well, Orlando Bloom, I mean, gender neutral. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I know there was that picture of him on a canoe with his dick out, but I mean, that still didn't sell me. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> but um, the movie takes itself very seriously, and you buy this as a real world thing. But whenever they cut to the villains, this is another clever thing that it didn't even really occur to me until this third time watching it. The villains are so cartoony and comic booky and over the top, but yet it doesn't feel out of place. Like we have Ludendorff and we have Dr. Poison <laughs> who has a mask, like a Phantom of the Opera style mask covering the lower half of her face. And she's called Dr. Poison. And it's you know really over the top later on when we get into Ares and all that. But none of it feels like it doesn't do, uh, like it shouldn't be together. Like it doesn't mix well. Um, th- there's some cool sequences of the flying, you know, with uh, Steve Trevor, and, and again, just setting this in World War One. Obviously, talk about that really quickly. It's obviously going to have comparisons to Captain America if they did what the comic was and had it in World War Two. So I would assume that's the reason for putting in World War One. But I just like it because we see so much with World War Two that this feels like a different setting. The planes look different here. The uniforms look different. They don't call it, you know, the world war. They like, even when they're asking him what war, he's like the war, like what else do you call it during world war one? Uh, I just like the whole setting. <laughs> I just love if people called it world war one. Oh, it's world war one. Like there's going to be another yeah, one exactly. of these in 30 years. So, <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about, I guess, the pool scene as well, because that's a great one. Um, so she starts mentioning right away after he tells this story, you know, well, this is obviously Aries, and this is why I said where it's a little bit far-fetched. Like, why is nobody on board with this? Like, it's the first time they've seen anybody enter their world, and this is somebody coming in and destroying them and killing their greatest warrior, their warrior trainer. They're killing Claire Underwood. They killed Claire Underwood, people! Fuck you! <laughs> I used to like Germany like- before this. <laughs> You love the Nazis. Well, they're not <laughs> the Nazis, Colin. Claire. They're not the Nazis. Let's just correct that. The Nazis well, weren't in World War I. You, you, oh, you're you're pretending you were 1911 Ben Waterworth here. I get it. <laughs> well, look, I just, I just had to be that guy. I have to be Dick Ben here. They're, they're not the Nazis. They're just the Germans. Yeah, this is. I, I was thinking this is another one of these moments where Ben, you might want to consider editing that part out where you're like, the Nazis were okay. Well, I, I just know. I mean, in general, I like Germany. You know, the country. I'm not necessarily saying I like parts of the history, but like, you yeah. <laughs> you like their bobsled team or their? I, I'm Australian. Uh, I can't gymnasts. defend half of our history. I mean, we're we're pricks in history. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Canadians ever have been. You just say sorry, oh sorry, eh, and you're done. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but uh, the, the fact that nobody else jumps as being Aries, I guess, is kind of weird. I don't know if you could explain that away as it being, well, they're they're trying to hide her. Maybe they're just saying this in front of her because she's the god killer or whatever, and she should never know this. It's just a minor complaint I have about this. Um, w- next, we get to Jamie's favorite scene, the pool scene. Chris Pine bathing, not just shirtless. She just <laughs> Jamie perked up. I hear in the background, oh! Bottom half of Chris Pine. Let's talk about it. I was wondering if you heard that. Bring Jamie on quickly. Get her to talk about this scene. Come here for a second to talk about Chris Pine. Make it Chris Pine, Jamie. Come on. Final Fantasy. Oh, she said, "Sorry, I'm playing Final Fantasy." Well, I bet she's playing Final Fantasy. She's talking about Chris Pine. This is my Final Fantasy. Said, "I'm playing Final Fantasy," but that also is my Final Fantasy. (laughs) She's on a deathbed, Colin. I love you, yeah. but where's Chris Pine's glutes? <laughs> um, I mean, this is a, a fun scene, uh, not just because Chris Pine's shirtless. Let's be honest here. Like, I'm a completely straight man, but, like, Chris Pine may be the most beautiful man on the planet. <laughs> like, he's up there with Henry Cavill. I mean, this guy's, you know, he's like Gal Gadot level beautiful. <laughs> quick, quick straw poll, uh, quick straw poll, poll uh, Jamie right now. Just say to her, who would you rather, Henry Cavill or Chris Pine? Go. <laughs> Henry Cavill or Chris Pine? Henry Cavill. Oh, okay. So that okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but um, here's here's a, a thing that I like about Chris Pine. He doesn't have like rippling abs here, and I don't know. Like, it, it, weird side note here. You've probably never seen the TV show Arrow, have you? Oh, I like watched it for five seconds and thought it was shit and turned it off. So. Oh, it's a great show. You should give more than five seconds, Ben. This is what you do to our podcast. Yeah, I do my, I do my best work in five seconds, so that's fine. <laughs> or your worst work. Uh, your only work. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a quick straw poll of my Tinder date. Hang on a second. Uh, <laughs> five seconds. Smiley emoji or sad emoji? <laughs> oh, I'm getting a lot of sad emojis. Uh. <laughs> um, I don't know if I've ever seen Chris Pine shirtless outside of this movie. This is weird that I'm a straight man talking about this. But he's not like 
really ripped or anything. And this is a uh, weird comparison, but like not weird because I guess it's DC. It's close enough. But the TV show Arrow, the guy who plays Arrow on that show, Stephen Amell. I remember watching that show the first time and being like, his abs are scary. Like this guy had the most ripped abs I've ever seen. And every time you see him in that, he's like super ripped. And he actually participated. And I remember watching the film like, the guy from Arrow is going to be, you know, at a WWE event wrestling. They, they did like this crossover thing where he was a wrestler and he came out and he just sort of looked like a regular guy. Like his abs weren't rippling or anything else like that. And I remember my brother watching this and being like, yeah, he must be out of Arrow shape right now. Like maybe this is on summer <laughs> hiatus. And then I realized, no, they filmed episodes around that. But he's probably sitting there doing sit-ups and, you know, crunches and push-ups before they do every take so his muscles are rippling. Yeah. And I don't know if this is just Chris Pine is just your average guy who's not in incredible shape. He's like, you know, he's fit, but he's not like Mr. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Or if Patty Jenkins was just like, you know, if we're not going to objectify the women in this, let's just have him out there with his shirt off and it's not going to be, you know, bulging muscles, so to speak. Which can I just say, Chris Pine's the average man. Fuck you, Chris Pine. <laughs> Well, he even says in this, I'm not exactly average. Yeah. Uh, but this pool scene, like, uh, now that I've given my piece on Chris Pine's shirtless physique, um, this is like one of the best scenes of the whole movie. <laughs> when uh, she just sort of looks at him and says, would you say you're a typical example of your sex? And he, like a proud guy, goes, I am above average. <laughs> She's like, What's that? And he's looking down. Uh, how do I describe that? And he's like, oh, you mean the watch? <laughs> <laughs> do you notice, though, at one point, he like he covers himself up, but within, like, three seconds, he removes his hand. He's like, oh, 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 yeah. Well, because he realized, like, she's not looking at this. She's looking at my jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> she's a woman who appreciates a good watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just love the way he has to explain to her. And there's something with... Gal Gadot with uh, her performance or the writing of, you know, Diane as a character, just there's this innocence about her. And I'll bring up in the the boat scene uh, after this complaints that I heard somebody say, and I don't think this is like a common opinion, but I heard somebody say where I think they're just looking for something to complain about. But in no way is the scene, even though the audience is being played, hey, it's kind of a sexual innuendo. You watch her face at no point does she have any interest in him. Yeah. She's just sort of like, huh, that's curious. He's got parts I don't have, you know, and that's another one of the brilliant things they did in this movie, whether it was, you know, Alan Heinberg, the writer or Patty Jenkins uh, or Gal Gadot and Chris Pratt having no sexual chemistry. Who knows? But they never draw attention to these characters ever being attracted to each other until much later in the movie. And that's not something you would have ever seen. uh, Maybe if a guy directed this or anybody other than Patty Jenkins, maybe Patty Jenkins is just that good and that clever of a director. But like this scene is just so funny. Um, the scene that follows this though a little bit random where she's jumping so she could get the god killer and it's cool because we get that like the great music in there but it's one of those scenes where I feel like it's almost out of place we just have to show her using her powers I'm sure she could have walked in there and opened the door and grabbed the <laughs> god killer I mean when she was five years old and she was shown this by her mother they weren't jumping across buildings uh, but still it's a cool visual and I love the music that plays in that scene and then they eventually escape. Um, in the comics, this was her invisible jet, which is absent from this movie, so they take a sailboat. <laughs> Obviously, you're never going to have an invisible jet. Ben, are you familiar with the invisible jet of Wonder Woman? Uh, I've heard of it, but, I mean, let's be honest, uh, movies cannot do invisibleness justice unless it's Die Another Day. So, um, yeah. Unless John yeah, Cleese uh, is there going, 
Oh. I quit this podcast. Cans <laughs> <laughs> you know, him a manual. Oh, I just read through it in a couple of moments, Q. Oh, I wish to make you disappear. Uh, shut really, up. I really, <laughs> I really wish I could play the theme right now, but due to copyright restrictions, we cannot play it on the Oz Network. Download 007 to hear the uh, Dine of the Day theme. Thank you. Come again. Please don't. <laughs> I've mentioned Natalie Portman and Die Another Day in the first 60 minutes of this episode. You're Colin trying Tappy. to drive me away from this show. Like, do you have a replacement lined up? Yeah, and Jamie. I'm Jamie's out. funny. Jamie's awesome. Jamie says <laughs> <laughs> uh, so inappropriate this- things like me. It would just be perfect. <laughs> oh, trust me. Some of the inappropriate things she says, you would not want her saying on the air. Could you imagine if like, her and I just did an episode covering like Fifty Shades of Grey? Because you wouldn't understand what's happening in that movie. So, like... <laughs> yeah, see... That's why we never covered it, because I'd be like, yeah, so um, can you get out that book of Diana's that <laughs> See, <he's, laughs> the well, seven volumes? I don't even know who the guy is in that film, but like, you know, she'd be all oogling over him. I'd be like, oh, God, Dakota Johnson's hot. And then like, we'd just be like going on this tangent and you'd just be in the background going, oh, look at me, I'm playing Super Mario. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, she's the one in the background playing Super Mario right now. <laughs> yeah, but she still knows what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, we're going to have some fun when we get to that scene. So the escape here where they just were like, okay, I guess you can go. <laughs> um, the boat scene is another one. Just all the scenes that I kind of joked, well, they have no sexual chemistry. That is a joke because they're not supposed to. And that's why this movie was different and why it did so many things different that you've never seen in an action movie or a movie like this before. Um, but just the uncomfortableness that Chris Pine has, you know, when they're going to sleep or whatever. And it's like, are you not going to sleep here? It's like, no, it's like, you don't sleep with women. I do sleep with women, just not <laughs> like, like out of the context of marriage, it's not appropriate. And then she- <laughs> It's like, wait, what's marriage? <laughs> he tries to explain that. What's the line there where um, uh, they're talking about marriage and, is, and uh, they, they promise to love each other forever? It's like, does that work out? Not very often. No, not often as you think. <laughs> and this is what, like 1917, where I guess like divorce was pretty much frowned upon. Uh, so yeah. like for him to say, is it 1917 or 1918? It's it's one of those years. Do you know the specific Yeah, it's year? right at the end. It's around 1918. I remember it well. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you were awake at that part. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when he eventually, like, fine, I'll sleep with you if you want. And <laughs> this is the scene I told you that uh, I had a friend or a couple of friends who decided to, I think, kind of jump on this movie and say, it was annoying that like she was so quick to just be like, ooh, a man's here or whatever. And they use the example of the bath scene and this. That's completely out of context. It's, it's not even interpreting the scenes the right way. The bath scene was her observing would you say you're typical for a man? Because she has never seen a man before. Yeah. She's heard about them. They're in her little 3D story pop-up books or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> pop-up, the pop-up books of the... Turn uh, the page. Uh, re- reproductive uh, biology or whatever. I want that book. Um, yeah, well, you wouldn't be very interested in it, <laughs> she said. Uh, but... They use that scene where it's, again, just her observing, well, is this what a man's supposed to look like? She's not even like, ooh, nice man. <laughs> she, she has, <laughs> ooh, nice man. Not, not Jamie. Jamie's naked yeah. in two seconds. What is this thing? Why am I taking my clothes off? <laughs> Chests, legs, <laughs> shoulders, pants. <laughs> I like what's below the waist. And not that, the, the, the glutes. Uh, but... 
this scene too where they're like oh when they're on the boat and all of a sudden she just wants to sleep with them it's like she wants she doesn't understand it's like it's like talking to a child if you i mentioned this in the review that there's this childhood innocence with diana where she observes everything like somebody who's never seen it before because she hasn't and when she's saying you don't sleep with women she means what are you not allowed to sleep next to a woman but yet I know people who, who decided to jump on the sword. Well, that was sexist or whatever. Like, this isn't Joss Whedon's script here. Come on. <laughs> if that's sexist, then holy crap, I'm like a hundred times worse than that. Um, well, you are a hundred times worse. <laughs> true. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> how is general. that sexist? Like, how? It's just it's a James Cameron, you know, philosophy. <laughs> if James Cameron didn't make it, if, you're not if, if, if over anything, the top. If anything, you're like... The way you say, like, you're right, like, childhood innocence, it's anything, it's, it's like, kind of creepy that Steve Trevor's kind of a bit of a pedo. Like, she's kind of like this, like, child that he's, like, well, exposing himself. <laughs> exposing Except himself she's, like, 100 years old. True, true. But, like, yeah, sex, like, come on. That, like, you've got as much right calling this racist as you do as sexist. Like, seriously. Exactly. Yeah, completely agree. Um, Is this me? Am I, have you finished or have I interrupted you? Uh, I think that's all I'll talk about about this scene. We'll, when they get to hideous London, we'll talk about that <laughs> next. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess back to the, the plane. I mean, the thing that I... So this world is just there. So, like, it's it's not in another dimension or something. So, like, wherever they're fighting somewhere in the North Atlantic or whatever, anybody can just randomly cross over the lines. Like, did Christopher Columbus yep. accidentally, like, land in Mascara or whatever it's called at one point? Um, so, yeah, I was just kind of like, huh, what? Like, how does that work? Um, I love the scene when she's just on the cliff and she just jumps off the cliff to save this guy. Like, I mean, this again, this, this whole, like, I don't want to, I'm not trying to pull the, oh, this is a sexist car just to rip shit to nitpick. But, like, if you do analyse the purpose of these women, again, it's like, they've got all this conflict happening to them. And, nah, nah, it's fine. <laughs> like, I mean, they yeah. know nothing <laughs> else. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of, it's like, it's, it is a weird thing to look at. But, yeah, I, I love it. Kind can, I, of... can I just interrupt? Can I interrupt for a quick second? Please do. Because you really made me think of something there. Did you ever see the movie Jarhead? No. Okay, we got to cover Jarhead. <laughs> uh, that's a different note. Right but now, let's watch Jarhead. <laughs> yeah, Jarhead's a, a true story based on a book, one of the weirdest books you'll ever read, but one of the weirdest read? movies you'll ever see, too. Yeah, <laughs> words. <laughs> you know, my one and a half year old has started to be able to identify letters of the alphabet and numbers, and I just oh. think to myself, I'm like, I wonder if I could apply the same teaching to Ben to get him on board. Mr. Casper, Mr. Bingo, I can read words. Big Ooh. shot. <laughs> Training to take half. over the show in like two years' time. Welcome to the Oz Network. I'm Casper. Don't forget that. You're phasing me out. I'm phasing you out. Yeah, Jamie and I are totally rhyming this out and starting our own podcast. You can, like, have your own. You and Casper just covering Casper. This week on Casper yeah. Oz, we cover Casper. Where's four? Four. Oh, oh, yes, Casper, four. Real conversation from yesterday. I used but, to be uh, out of count jar- four. Jarhead, okay. So it's a true story about... A group of guys, particularly one guy who enlisted in the Iraqi war, um, kind of because I'm not going to say he was sick, but it wasn't like your typical soldier. He wanted to kill people. He kind of got a thrill out of being a sniper and killing people. And him and his team went through the entire war without firing a single shot. And the frustration built up so badly that, you know, he just kind of started snapping. 
And I'm thinking that's what these Amazonians would be at this point. Like they've been training for this, as you said, their entire life. People come there. They're like, hey, we can kill finally. Let's do it. You know, like why aren't they jumping on board with this? Let's let's be honest. The Amazonians are the Canadian military. You know, they're there. They like they they're ready for something in case it ever happens. But no one's ever going to call upon Canada to fight. So it's kind of just like yeah, exactly. You're there for the sake of it. <laughs> it's like oh hey, we've got an air force. What for? Oh I don't know. We like pretty planes. We're um, so on the air show every year, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Justin Trudeau doesn't know how to declare war. He just looks good in his sexy pants. Um, but. <laughs> God, I'm like, why do I turn gay on this show? Um, <laughs> and we're not even up to Chris Pine yet. Um, this is why I need Jamie on the show. To You, I blame you, Colin, with your naive ways. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I like the fact that when he gets up and he's like, I'm one of the good guys and they're the bad guys. Like... How do they know? Like, <laughs> fast forward this into World War Two. Hitler arrives on the beach. I'm one of the good guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what if you were the one that crashed? Like, anybody's going to believe that. I do. Like this. Diana's oh. like this. This Winston Churchill. He must be Aries. <laughs> what do you mean, Abraham Lincoln wants to end slavery? That's disgusting. <laughs> Those poor slaves need to work. <laughs> How many other Aries could they have been convinced? Maybe that's why. They've had guys <laughs> land in every single war so far. <laughs> and they've been convinced. Like, John Wilkes Booth is like that Abraham Lincoln. That's Aries right there. You better kill him. You better do it in the theater too. Oh, Lee Harvey Oswald, you want to be famous? I'll oh, kill the president. It's okay. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Oh, some of me like, yes, they are two ugly tall buildings. We don't need them in New York. Fly your planes. No. I was going to say, please, dear God, stop before you get to 2001. Ah, it's always going to end up at 9-11 at some point. Oh. <laughs> what, what was that episode of South Park where they're like, it's been 10 years, age is funny again or something like that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just using the South Park argument. It's been 16 years. 9-11's funny again. Um, if, if five-year-olds from an animated show say it, it's okay. <laughs> now everyone makes sense. Oh, Ben watches South Park. That's why he is how he is. He's um, an idiot. <laughs> he's an idiot. <laughs> Don't forget to bring a towel. Um, so I like this action scene, though. Like, it is awesome. Like, you mentioned before, like, when Auntie Antelope jumps on the sword, uh, the, the sword, she jumps on the shield and just, like, you know, that is completely badass. I love that. Just the way it's kind of like pew, 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 like three just into the Germans. Like, it's amazing. Um, but then, she, I mean, she should be a Secret Service agent because she just takes a bullet. Um, the thing, the thing too, like with this whole, they're all here, like ready for war. Like, here we go. And oh, should we fight? I don't know. Like, why are they protective of Diana? Like she's the ultimate weapon of, you know, God and war and all this sort of stuff. Don't tell her though. Like, let's pretend it's a sword. Like when this war comes to their shores, this is where they should be like, okay, now we've got to tell her the truth. Only Diana can save the world. Like, what does it take? Like, 50 more ships coming on their shores and holding him hostage? No, 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 we mustn't fight the war. Like, it's like... They just lost Claire Underwood. Like, exactly. how much worse can it get? Like, if, 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 look, let's be honest, and this isn't me trying to turn this a certain way, but if Frank Underwood was on this island, he's not going to stand up for this shit that Claire's dead. You know? I mean, well, come on. Frank Underwood would not be on an island, all with women, but let's not go there. 
maybe a few men involved, <gasps> certain age. Um, but <laughs> Ben, <laughs> I like Kevin Spacey. Don't turn into one of those people. But um, <laughs> can we just also point out that I think we're getting a trend here that the DCEU is just where House of Cards actors, actors and actresses go when they've got their off season. Yeah. <laughs> We've had at least three now, so like, I'm sure there's more. Um, but yeah, I. I I, 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 I'm, I'm Andrew Garfielding it right now. <laughs> so, I do like, yeah, the lasso of truth. I mean, again, like I'd heard of the lasso of truth. I just, I guess, didn't know what it did. I guess it's kind of self-explanatory. It's a lasso and it makes you tell the truth. Um, but yeah, I like uh, Chris Pine. It's kind of interesting. I'm usually the one who's like, oh, I've never seen him in anything before. I had seen Chris Pine before Star Trek. You're going to laugh at me. What's new? Uh, I remember, like, Louisa's fantastic repertoire of cinema masterpieces that she used to make me watch, uh, including the 2006 classic Just My Luck, starring Lindsay Lohan and Chris Pine. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> and also, The Princess Diaries 2, Royal Engagement. Uh, <laughs> Which, if I'm not mistaken, is his first ever lead, you know, main role outside of some short film called oh. Why Germany. Um, I don't know. You tell me, Chris Pine. But <laughs> I like Chris Pine. Like, I I think, yeah. isn't he one of the... I like on the Honest trailer for this, they say, like, oh, finally he takes the lead in the great Hollywood Chris-off. Um, but isn't he often regarded as, like, kind of the poor Chris out of all the famous Chris's out there, like Chris Pratt, Chris Hemsworth? Uh, who's the other one? Yeah, well, I mean... I, I would argue he's like miles ahead of Chris Hemsworth. Oh, That's not even sure. just a personal thing. I mean, you, Chris Hemsworth, what does he have? Thor and what else, you know? <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, Dawn? definitely Chris. <laughs> <laughs> that was genuine laughter. <laughs> he did that horror movie, didn't he? That people said he was okay in? <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I would say it's Chris Pratt, Chris Pine, then Hemsworth. But yeah, well, yeah I think there is another Chris be- in there. I can't remember his, which Chris I'm thinking of, but um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I've always liked Chris Pratt. I uh, Chris Pine, I like Chris Pratt too. Chris Pine, um, <laughs> but like, I I don't know. Like the thing with Chris Pine is like this guy is yeah, it's he's he's kind of like the Justin Timberlake argument in the fact that. Like, he's an attractive guy. Women sure want to be with him. But, like, men kind of want to hang out with him because he kind of seems like a cool guy that you would just you would yeah. just hang out with Chris Pine. Because, you know, yeah, he's like this super hot guy that your girlfriend's going to leave him for. But in a way, you're like, yeah, it's okay. You go have sex with Chris Pine. I don't care. Like, I'll just play Final <laughs> Fantasy and you go, you do you. And, you know, like, you'd kind of be okay with it. Uh, so, but I like him in Star Trek. You know, I, I saw Jack Ryan and, yeah, that was okay. I didn't mind him in that. Um, but that was more, I had a problem with the movie, not necessarily him. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have nothing against Chris Pine. I kind of went into this thinking he was a little bit disliked, maybe like the Jai Courtney argument, but maybe not as bad as Jai Courtney. So, um, yeah, I think he's he's great in this film. I agree with you. And kind of going into what you were saying about the whole... Um, you know, he's not, I mean, I'm not up to the bar scene yet, but like the objectifying bit. And this is one thing too, which I give praise to this movie. It kind of seems in movies where they skew it towards the female audience. You know, it's, you're seeing it through the female eyes here. So let's have these characters directed towards women. They then go over the top with the shirtless hunky men. You know what I mean? So then they're objectifying the men, which does seem to be okay in most people's eyes, but you can't do it with women in certain contexts. So I do like in this film how, yeah, you've got the, sexy shirtless scene but it's not over the top if you know what i mean so 
uh, just just the way um, you know that's done. Which I mean, obviously, I'll get to that in just a moment. But yeah, I like the sort of all the scenes that you were talking about—the last of truth. Like, I'm, I'm a spy, um, <laughs> and just the, the the scenes there, sort of like the flash scenes when he's going there and he's stealing the the notebook. And I like Doctor Poison. Uh, I think she's cool. And uh, Lucildorf or whatever his name is. Hamburglar. Hamburglar. Yep. Which, I'm, I'm with Jamie. I like Hamburglar. Um, but he was always my favourite <laughs> out of cool. all the McDonald's characters, you know? Because I like he hamburgers. He robs people. Well, I'm more so the fact that he likes hamburglers. Like, I'd burgle people for hamburgers from McDonald's. Yes, please. <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of like that, that the whole sequence there with that. Um... The one, the, the dumb Ben moment that I will say, like, here I am saying, oh, they're not Nazis in World War One, Colin. They're just the Germans. The Nazis didn't come into the 1920s. But my dumb moment when I'm watching this is my dad, oh, did they actually have fighter planes in World War One? Because I'm like, didn't they just invent the plane? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm literally thinking, like, wasn't the plane invented in, like, 1905 or something like that? So, like, in 10 years, they're attaching bombs to these planes. My dad's like, yes, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> And Ben, they had guns too. <laughs> Ooh, guns! See, this is your dad, and he's got a diagram. It's like airplane <laughs> wings, <laughs> propeller. And you're like, what? No. <laughs> There's other places besides Australia, Germany. <laughs> and he's like, four, four. <laughs> this is a book. A book. Uh- <laughs> Um, the, the one scene actually, which I, cause again, this is me not necessarily knowing a huge background with Wonder Woman, but she's a mortal and can self heal, right? She's kind of like Wolverine. Am I, am I right in saying that? Um, or? Yeah, I guess they would heal faster. Yeah. Cause you see that scene where she's obviously had the cut in her arm, but then the next moment it heals. Um, so I just kind of noticed that one. Um, but <laughs> the bar scene, I love it. Like. I love how it starts off and he's like Chris Pine in the bath and he's just like twirling his fingers around the water and he's like, ooh, like, you know, with the pretty pretty lights. That does look awesome. I want to take a bath in that. Um, But like, as I said, like he stands up, kind of like covers himself, but then he's like, oh, I'm going to remove my hand. Um, Which, you know, and then just, I love just, you know, would you consider yourself an an average of your sex or typical example of your sex? Oh, I'm I'm above average. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just love the way Some may it. Say. I just I just want to point out though, like in the grand scheme of things, how lucky is she in this moment that this is Chris Pine that shows up? If this is me yeah. who shows up and I'm naked, like I mean, you know, like she's not gonna be like oh, you an typical <laughs> member of your sex. You're like, I am below average. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I mean, I get it's a movie. We don't want to see, like, some fat person with man boobs hanging out at this point. So, like, you know, otherwise Jamie's not watching this scene. But, like, you know, she's a very lucky woman that she gets Chris Pine showing up. And, you know, like, not Mm. Sean Penn or somebody like that. (laughs) Like, he's the first person that came to my mind. Um, But, uh... (laughs) Poor Sean Penn. (laughs) I like Sean Penn. I mean, he bashed up Madonna. That wasn't very nice. But, you know, she still says he's... (laughs) The love of her life, even though they are not together anymore. Um, I mentioned Madonna now. We're ticking off the bucket list. Oh, oh come <laughs> on. I'm um, vomit by the time this is over. But, yeah, I, I just love that, you know, what is that? <laughs> like, just... <laughs> oh, it's a watch. <laughs> I want somebody to re-edit this and just be like, what is that? It's a penis. <laughs> just like... No. <laughs> 
<laughs> just like completely, you know, do what we're all thinking. At least, you know, myself and Jamie, you were obviously thinking about the watch. Um, but yeah, the whole jumping off. The, like I, I remember watching his dad. I'm like going, do they not have security in this place? Can anybody just like climb in and take a sword? Um, it's kind of like, okay. Uh, and like the costume, I like it when she's like, you know, there and he's just like, looks at her and is like, oh, nice outfit. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and then they like go off and on the boat. And what does he say? Like, we're leaving in that. Uh, why would, and it's just a little line where it's like, you don't know how to sail. Of course I do. Why would I know how to sail? It's been a while, but. <laughs> <laughs> Sure, it'll all come back to me. And they just, again, like, all the people show up. It's like, here they come. Oh, we've got to stop Diana. I know I can't stop you. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> great. You're a great mum. Like, <laughs> I know I can't do anything to stop you. Uh, but when she's like, if you leave, you may never return. It's like, oh, well, like, dick mum moment. Like, she might want to come back and bring you a present or something like that. But you would have aged by like, 300 years by then. So that's probably why. Um... But yeah, the boat scene is great. I just love just everything. Like, oh, do you not sleep with women? No. I mean, yes, I sleep with women, but just just not not like that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like the the book moment when she's like, oh, I read about it in uh, all 12 volumes. I love Chris Pine. Oh, oh all 12, eh? Uh, <laughs> which apparently uh, I read all of that was ad-libbed. Can I just point that out? Um, oh, really? Yeah, I was reading the trivia that that whole sequence there was ad-libbed. But I do like when she's like talking about like this. This is the one moment I can imagine all women watching this movie are like, yeah, hashtag feminism. When they're all like, you know, oh, men are only needed for procreation; they are not needed for the the central of pleasure or whatever it is. Well, <laughs> that's actually a great line too, because like you said, you know, women are going to look at that and like, ha 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 ha, you know. But the way that they play the line is in a completely different context because. It has a purpose in the plot. How would all these women exist on this island with no men for so long? And it never occurs to them, hmm, maybe if it's not Joss Whedon's script, we need a man to come down and give us some penis. <laughs> they found better ways because they have all 12 volumes. Give us some penis. Um, <laughs> the, the, the upcoming title of Jamie Hilding's biography... <laughs> Give me some penis, a Jamie Hoodick story. <laughs> but my point being, it actually makes sense in the movie because they don't... Why else would they not need men? Why does it not bother them, you know? Why does Diana not take an interest? Like, well, I don't actually need you. If I'm going to keep you around, it's going to be because I think you look pretty, not because I need you. I think one of my gay friends took me to a bar called that once. Give me some penis. <laughs> Come down and give me some penis. Literally. Uh, <laughs> um, this is, uh, th- you know, let's be honest. Though, as much as that's a scene for women of like, yeah, fuck you, man. We don't need you. It's also a scene for men because we're all like going, oh, yeah. So they're all on this island for hundreds of years and they don't need men. They they know that women can do pleasure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we won on this island. <laughs> <laughs> what's the the line i don't think it was in the context of the whole sex conversation they're having which uh, by the way i also love that the way that gal Gadot responds like there's some moments there even though they, as you you said and i said they've written this movie and designed it around her acting limitations there's some moments where she really does some smart things yeah like the way that she responds to him where you know it's like uh you're talking about biological reproduction and he's like yeah, yeah. it's like yeah i know all about that 
Yeah. And I, it's just like it's just so cool. She's like, yeah, whatever. But there's another line, I can't remember what it was, where she says, I think where she's talking about, you know, Aries and or when she was formed out of clay or something like that. She goes, you know, just like when my mother formed me out of clay and you brought me life. And he goes, Oh, that's neat. <laughs> I do I like I just love the way that like I mean this is kind of the way he reacts to everything. Because, I mean, you know, she's, like, saying, I was formed out of clay. I um, need to kill yeah. the god of war. Like, you know, it, it's kind of like the, the age-old movie trope where you've got somebody in a movie who's a bit different and they're trying to mm-hmm. tell someone the truth and they're just not going to believe them. You know what I mean? It's kind of like yeah. this is a world where he... Like, I mean, you can kind of tell he's a bit like, okay. But at no point does anybody really question this. Like, even later on when he's telling his, like, you know, gang of merry men, and they're all just kind of like, oh, what does... That- oh, okay, fair enough. Like, it's just kind of, like, yeah. it's just accepted. Out of clay, you say? Oh, really? Clay, yeah, okay. I've heard of that. Um, oh, I, I, I read about that somewhere once. That's right. But I, but I do I do also like the fact they're kind of like, and like, let's be honest, the chemistry between Gal Gadot and Chris Pine is amazing. Like, these two have oh, great yeah. chemistry. Uh, and it's not just sexual chemistry, like, just the way they bounce off each other. Um, it's real chemistry. As we've talked about, chemistry is not about sexual chemistry. It's just yeah. two people who really can play off each other. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, it's kind of... Again, bringing up third watches, we always do download now via the Oz Network. But when we talk about like the characters there of um, of Yokus and Bosco, like in no way is that ever implied they're going to have any form of sexual relationship. They're just partners, but just the way they bounce off each other, it's just it's amazing. These two, how they just work off each other, and it's kind of similar here. And I like the way that kind of like with with uh, Steve, how he's kind of like when he's bringing up sort of the topic of sex, and I, I think this is just a, a man's reaction. If you were in this situation, you're kind of thinking like, oh, she might not know about this, and maybe I have to like you know. Maybe I can tell her. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's just a man thing. Like, as mm-hmm. most men, unlike Colin. But, like, um, <laughs> that's how Jamie got pregnant. So, Colin, do you want to know about sex? <laughs> Put this mask on. It's Chris Pine. <laughs> this comes from volume nine. Nine. <laughs> but then, like, you know how, like, he's trying to, like, oh, so you don't know. You've never had. Oh, oh well, yes, I know about the reproductive things. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I just, I love this scene. It's great. Uh, there's a quick scene here with uh, Ludendorff being introduced to supervillain cocaine, which I guess is kind of fun for him. <laughs> it's, such, it's it's a weird way, I, and I love this movie, and I even love this power, and the fact that it's a gas, what else are you going to do? I would have almost rather he had like a gas canister and he had to cup a gas mask, but it's the fact that he cracks this vial open and then sniffs... <laughs> It's just, it looks so wrong. I think that's exactly um, how Hitler did it, like, 30 years later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, this would kill them. Put it in the tank. Uh, but that's basically, I don't know, Dr. Poison, this is just a side note here, but do you find that they tame her a little bit too much? Like, would you have rather she been, especially if we're in this movie where you know, it's female empowerment done the right way, a subtle way where it's not holding somebody down. It's just, you know, these are strong characters. I find that it's such a typical Hollywood thing to do that if you have a female villain, she's probably more sympathetic for some reason. Oh, like, I don't you know. have to bring up what caused her to be a villain. Whereas with a guy, it's like, well, he's an, he's an you know, evil, terrible monster. And it's the way that they have it where she's almost not unwilling here, but she's not as evil as Ludendorff. And here it's like, 
do we really need to do this, Ludendorff? I, I wish that she had been more of a sadistic villain. I don't know if you agree with that. Uh, or I can, yeah, I, I see it, but I mean, I don't know. Let's go back a movie to, I'm not that sympathetic, Colin. I'm waving my arms. I'm the enchantress. Yes, okay. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, Fair but, point, but I think between these two characters, and of course we know, you know, Ludendorff, well, he's not Ares, but the whole idea is he's kind of the red herring at this point. Yeah. Uh, I would have thought even just in terms of that, a more clever way, and it was very effective. You do assume that's who Ludendorff's going to be, that he'll be Ares, if you're even buying that whole plot, which I'll get to in a bit. But if you had played this with her being, even if you play her as the sympathetic one, and then you throw some tease in there later on, it's like, well, maybe she's Ares, and that's the surprise, that the woman could be Ares. I don't know, I just feel, I feel like her character could have been a little bit more vicious here, and that taming her in a way kind of diminishes how nasty of a villain she could have been i i agree with it for the most part i like i think kind of the, the tameness scenes are very subtle like i mean i don't ever come out of this thinking like oh she's sim- that sympathetic i mean i don't know just like was the, the scene where it comes up to where she's like she throws in the mask and he's all like oh but the mask won't help it's like well they don't know that <laughs> like i don't know i just i just yeah i i see your point but i don't i don't come out of it thinking she's sympathetic i still think she's a sadistic little so-and-so but um right. Yeah, uh, it's it's kind of interesting. Like just going back to your point, what you're saying about how you got like these cartoonish names, Doctor Poison, and you know things like that. But I, I agree with you when you said before, like you don't really notice. And I know like the honest trailer kind of made joke of it, saying like, "Oh, you've got the most cartoonish video game villains." Like even at the final scene when he's like shouting out lines that are kind of like a video game. Like I think this is the thing that like we live in a world now where it's like, "Oh, all comic book movies have to be so serious. We can't have over the top cartoonish lines." They're still comic books. Like, I mean, you know, yeah. we've talked about this so much in the Spider-Man movies. Like, you know... Or no one says Superman. Yeah, exactly. Like, you still got to have these lines and these over-the-top things. Because, again, we're watching, like, people in these situations from comic books that are not realistic. A man who flies <laughs> up into space and can survive getting bombed by a nuclear bomb. You know, like, a, a woman who has a golden whip who can make people tell the truth. Like, analyse what we're watching, people. Let's have a bit of hamminess, campiness, silliness every now and then, because these are still comic book films. I mean, some, you know, like, you and I might not necessarily like the Tim Burton Batman films, but they're still kind of regarded as good movies, and they're kind of held up high, and there's a reason that. The original Spider-Man, like, you know, Tobey Maguire, that's, we talked about it, it's like watching a comic book. It's campy. It's it's like it's over the top. It's not gritty and dark like we're watching now. So they do have a purpose to have these moments in there. So the fact that we've got Doctor Poison and the Hamburglar, like I mean, you know, it's I I'm fine with it. It kind of you can it balances it well. They they balance it well in a movie like this. Uh, when they show up in London here, I mean, this basically is where the movie transitions to being the search for Ares. I guess the first act is really Themyscira and, you know, the threat of Ares coming back. Second act is about, well, let's try to find Ares. And the third act is let's fight when we know who Ares is. Uh, but this is sort of her mission the whole time where she's talking about, you know, I'm looking for Ares. I'm looking for Ares. And I, I just love how impatient she is as soon as she gets there. It's like, all right, where's Ares? And yeah. it's like, well, we haven't even docked yet, Wonder Woman. <laughs> That's okay, I'll swim. Is he this way? Is he, is he on that side of the ocean? I like the uh, uh, jolly old London. It's disgusting. Yeah, it's hideous. <laughs> it's like, well, it's not for everybody. <laughs> Poor it's, London. It's so good because, like, London is kind of, I guess, the sophisticated location. And I remember the uh, the commentary for Skyfall. I don't know if you ever listened to the commentary for that. No, but, I listened uh, to ours, but not the proper one. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh 
I think, I don't know if it was Sam Mendy's commentary or from maybe it was Barbara Broccoli's commentary where they were talking about uh, London and how often it's portrayed in movies. And they said, well, we want to portray it just kind of the way it is. And London doesn't always look that nice. It's, it's kind of foggy and dreary a lot of the time. And this is sort of like, you know, drawing attention to that. It's like, ah, it's merry old London, well, England. I think, I think it has that so, reputation. So, I think kind of like you think of the world cities, like Paris is, you yeah. know, fancy and glamorous. New York is stylish and, you know, just even like New York is, I guess, similar to what you explained. Like you go to parts of New York, it's gritty, it's grimy, but like it depends on yeah. how you're portraying it. I don't think I've ever seen a movie or a TV show where London is portrayed as glamorous and beautiful. Like I think London kind of holds it as a badge of... Yeah, I think, well, I think London, they hold it as kind of a badge of honour that they're a bit dirty and a bit grimy and, like, it's not going to be as perceived as, like, as it would be a New York or a Paris. Yeah. Yeah, and the fact that they just go out of their way to mention it's great because yeah. nobody would ever dare say it's hideous. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's London. It's the capital of the world, really. Uh, but I, I do have to wonder the geography here because... You know, they show up there the next morning and he says, oh, yeah, we caught a ride. And it's basically a tugboat. <laughs> I mean, how how many kilometers can a tugboat travel overnight from London? And that puts us wherever Themyscira is. So where is it? Like off the coast of Ireland? Oh, like, I'm, I'm, close. I'm honestly thinking Themyscira is like kind of what, like in the Mediterranean somewhere. So, I mean. I mean, it would make sense from like he flies out of Germany and he has enough, you know, fuel in his tank before he crashes. But even then, like, yeah, like the job, because I mean, they'd have to go around like Portugal and Spain, like if you look at a map of Europe. So, I mean, um, I, I'm going to guess it's sort of maybe Mediterranean, but even maybe it's sort of closer sort of to Spain or Portugal area. So, but even then, you look at a map. I, I don't know shipping times. We got over this, didn't we? In Was it Die Another Day? We were talking about the Hong Kong distance. And, no, it wasn't yeah. Die Another Day. <laughs> where we had that debate about how long it could take you to get from Hong Kong. Yeah. It was Hong Kong to North Korea. There we go. Stop um, mentioning Die Another Day. But that, that wasn't a good reference here, Colin. You know Just what I was stop talking about. Just stop. I just don't know how they, like, in terms of shipping times, how long it takes you to get to the Mediterranean all the way around the, what is it, Cape Horn or whatever it is, uh, all the way around up to, to the UK. They've, like, snuck up a few rivers in France or something like that. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or maybe she just sleeps for, like, four days, and that's something that, you know, women are chemistry do. But when they get there, like, all this... As we've referred to in other movies, the whole fish out of fish out of water sequence here, uh, which is just you know her being the weirdest person in the world. Like she she tries to take off her cloak, and it's like no, you can't flash those panties around here. <laughs> and, uh, uh, when she tries going after the baby, which that's a moment where I think every woman watching this movie is like, okay, this is a woman's superhero movie because even the toughest woman in the world would see a baby, be like, oh, it's a baby. Like I can't like. Casper really is gold. If I were single, I wouldn't be for long because a baby is gold around women. Uh, ben, think about adopting if you're really interested. Again, who, who knows? I probably got them out there. I just need to find them. So. <laughs> Back to the Tinder date. Track them, Hello, yeah. did you have or, a baby? Yeah. The, you know this About a Boy? You ever watch About a Boy oh, with your grand? Of course. I love that movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, the movie's 100% true. Uh, but it's just one of those funny moments. And, of course, he interprets it as a... Uh, don't go grabbing babies. This one's not made of clay. <laughs> it's just she doesn't understand the culture in this world. And even when it, it's not even like because I think a guy making this movie trying to overcompensate with the whole, you know, strong woman thing, which is what James Cameron does, uh, would have had, you know, him being like, oh, uh, we should probably hold hands. Like, I don't need to hold a man's hand. 
here she's doing things that kind of make her tougher, but then she's doing other things that would actually make her less tough, like saying, oh, should we be holding hands? He goes, no, because we're not together like that. Yeah. She's just throwing everything out there that she wouldn't understand. And it's not about, oh, I can't hold his hand because then I'm a weak woman. It's just they throw it out there because that's the way somebody would respond. Um, after the scene in the street here, or during the scene in the street here, where she's pushing more on the whole Aries thing, we need to go to Aries. And I love how she just said, just the innocence, almost like a child, the way she says things, take me to the war. Which way is the war? <laughs> is the war over this way? How many blocks, you know? And she's pushing so hard. He goes, no, we have to get this to my superiors. She's like, well, you promise. And she goes on this speech, like, <laughs> a promise, somebody that a person person does when they mean it. And then and a promise needs to be fulfilled because honest people, and it's on and on and on. And eventually she's like, okay, you come with me to deliver this and then we'll get you a... Uh, a, a bus ticket to the war. You, you know? put your clothes on, and I'll get you a ticket to the war. I'll buy you an ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> um, but of course, first they got to get clothes on her, as you said. And here we're introduced to the real comic relief of this uh, movie. I think Edda is fantastic in this. Like, love please this tell woman. me that. You- yes, she's Good. our random love that I think we can sell yeah. in this movie. And- she's brilliant. Do you do you know who the actress Lucy Davis is? Uh, look, I only learned from listening to the Oz Network and spoiler-free review of Wonder Woman, uh, where you said she was in the Office. I've never watched uh, the Office, the so, British one. No. Yeah. Um, okay, she's unrecognizable in this movie for a few reasons, and again, this isn't you know mentioned in a disparaging way, but she put on weight for this movie, and I actually saw what she looked like you know when the premiere came out, and I honestly think they probably put some makeup on her to look even heavier than she was, but like. Even not not just that. Like I'll send you a picture here of what she looked like during the time of the office, and you'll see how they totally like unglamorized this woman. They they glammed her down so much that I didn't even recognize oh, wow. her. And I'm a huge fan of the British Office. It's not even yeah. It's not even just a, a thing of her being heavier. It's like completely unrecognizable, She's and hot. even just the way that she she is. Yeah, and I'm not saying that Etta Candy isn't. You know, everybody <laughs> loves Etta Candy, right? <laughs> but I, I have um, a leak. <laughs> candy, candy, the name candy. All right, clarify that. This is that. where Ben objectifies women, and it is not Gal Gadot. It's not Robin Wright. It's Anna Candy. <laughs> oh, I'd objectify all of the above, but like Anna Candy. <laughs> Hang on, and to be fair, I would objectify Chris Pine as well. All right, yeah, exactly. Come on, yeah, Ben objectifies anybody with a pulse. Um, I'm not over the age of eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> you just said that much. True. I mean, come on. Like, I've listened to like a few of the ones with you. Like, I think I'm bad every single time you do a recap. It's like, oh, Patrick Stewart's hot. I'd love to run my hand through his chest there. Like, like you are not you having know, sex with your wife enough if she's that horny. Like, come on, <laughs> stop recording podcasts and have sex with you, your wife, Colin. You just don't know Jamie. <laughs> She can be like that 24-7. But, uh, okay, that Red- makes sense. Hang on a minute. This is where Colin's scheduling. I've got to work. No, you don't. Jamie's got the day off. <laughs> Come on, honey. I bought a box of condoms. Let's put on some Barry White some candles. Let's do this. I popped on a Keanu Reeves movie. Want to go? <laughs> I'm already naked. What are you Which- talking about? 
if, if I, I can't even count how many times we've recorded an episode, and I'm like, all right, Ben, this is the timestamp. We're gonna put together a montage at the end of the year of every time Jimmy mentions somebody shirtless. Do it, do it. That is that. If we do a best of, we haven't even worked out if we're doing one or not yet. But if we do, I want the the segment, the section there of just Jamie. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah. And then randomly in the background of episodes, we're like, and Chris Pine when he's in the bath, and she's like, woo, all muffled. <laughs> Random sneeze. That's not really her sneezing. That's her something else. Uh- <laughs> all right. <laughs> but, Anna Candy, back to the point. Um, even just that, like, I-, I had to look up the actress online. Like, that that actress that played Eddie was hilarious. And I look it up, I'm like, that was like the girl from the British version of The Office. And the other finding that struck me was that on The Office, she played a, I wouldn't say a straight character. I think that's just the style of outside of, you know, Ricky Gervais, the style of the comedy on the British version of The Office was everybody was the straight person. And, you know, like Martin Freeman, if, you know, I'm sure you know Martin Freeman, Sherlock Not and personally. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Hobbit. Yeah. But I mean, he's the straight guy. Like everybody's the straight guy in there. So it's not like she was like laugh out loud funny, but, Every moment she has in this movie had me laughing out loud. Like, even just in her the way she introduces herself, and you know, so much of it is the dialogue too. Where uh, it's like, "What's the secretary?" Oh, well, I um, I I get him coffee and I <laughs> run his errands. Like, that sounds kind of like a slave. And and it's just so clever the way, like, so many other things in this movie. It's not the obvious way they deliver the line in a regular movie. It would be like, "I like this woman," like really yeah. drawing attention to the fact. Here it's like, oh, I kind of like her, you know? Yeah. And then she won't shut up about it. You just hear her in the background three or four times like, no, seriously, this girl's cool. Like, tell me more about her. Um, the scene where they're dressing and everything and uh, just the way she describes, like, somebody, uh, the, the, what's this for? It's to hold in your, your stomach. And it's like, why would you need that? It's like, <laughs> only somebody without a belly would ask that question. Yeah, that's made of Chris Pine. Like, oh, why would I not? <laughs> shut up, Chris Pine. Um. And then the best one is, of course, where she <laughs> where she tries on the glasses and just like how subtle uh, the humor is there from Lucy Davis, where she goes, yeah, because now she's suddenly not the most beautiful woman I've ever seen because you put glasses on her. <laughs> my, fa- my favorite Lucy uh, Davis moment is when she's carrying the sword. That's just my random oh, yeah. little subtle bit where she's got the sword. <laughs> Which, what, just the image of when they finally settle on the clothes for Diana. <laughs> And then they cut to her walking out of the store, and she has the sword like out, like she's going into battle. But yet, she, the way Gal Gadot plays it is like it's almost like Patty Jenkins told her, "I want you to hold the store, sword and the shield as if you're going to battle, but walk like you're going to start your car." You know, it's just like it means nothing to her. It's just so great, and the the, the fact they have to fight with her to get the sword. Put the sword down. No, seriously, Diana, you can't have the sword here. Would you just trust me? Just the, the sword. Just get rid of it, please. I like when she's like walking out the is. door with it. She's like, no, no, I got it this time. Yeah, <laughs> I can operate a revolving she's door. Trying to work okay? out a door. Oh, <laughs> uh, the movie's so funny, and yet it's never trying too hard to be funny, which is what works so well with it. Um, the mugging scene, which just reminded me of the Christopher Reeve Superman, the movie, <laughs> even the fact that Chris Pine's dressed as Clark Kent in that scene. Um, and then the way <laughs> she captures the guy and she's grabbing him. It's like, tell me where Ares is. Tell me where Ares is. And this is where the movie got really interesting. And I mentioned this in the review, partly because we were trying not to reveal who the villain was, but also because I found it interesting in this movie that at this point it takes a turn of 
maybe there's not an Aries. You know, maybe this is just humans and you can't control that humans are bad sometimes. Like the movie makes a point of that later on. But it's it's almost funny the way she's grabbing. It's like, where's Aries? You know, take me to Aries. Where do I find Aries? It would have been great at that point where if, if he just suddenly went, it's, it's, it's not Ludendorff! <laughs> 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 like just play up on it. Use the lasso at some point. Um, um, what else should we talk about? Quickly, we'll talk about Noah's favorite scene here. Fancy British men debating. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, Noah loves this movie. Just like, eh, yes, let's all sit around here and talk about shit. <laughs> Noah saw this and he fell asleep and we haven't been able to wake him, which is why you don't hear from him on the Oz Network anymore. He actually, the whole time we were traveling around Tasmania, he didn't say a word. He was just asleep. He was just like, oh, British men, I hate him. Uh, but this is like I said the way that they played the scene and like Patty Jenkins give her full credit for this that this scene even on paper would read as a woman can't be in here but the way Patty Jenkins plays it is you know she's not cleared for this man woman child whatever if if you know Saeed had been in here with him or uh who's Who's the uh, the other guy? The the guy who never f- does anything in this, and never fires a shot. Um, oh, I Charlie, about, I thought you did, are you like talking about Lost here all of a sudden, like Saeed <laughs> and Charlie? <laughs> <laughs> Where's Jack Saeed's and Boone? Saeed's <laughs> the actor, so Samir and Charlie download the uh, Lost coverage on the Oz Network. Good good segue there, Colin. You're learning well. Right now though, there are people out there saying they're racist. Anybody in Middle Eastern's <laughs> name is Saeed. See, I'm okay. I was looking at Saeed on... Yes. But, uh, like, it's just... It's played as... Yeah, there's somebody who shouldn't be in this briefing. Because when she shows up in the other scene, they let it go for a while. As they're debating... He's like, no, I have to talk to you. I have Dr. Poison's notebook or whatever. And they're trying to translate it. And she starts translating it. And it's only kind of when she's going on, it's like, what? Did none of you guys speak this language? Where they just... It's almost more like, well, she's kind of cocky. They could have easily played this scene in the way we've seen it so many other times, and it would have just been so crammed down your throat, but they just play it straight, which is what works so well here. Um, The whole ending of the scene is really basically, you know, uh, they're not going to let me go. We get introduced to uh, Sir Patrick here, (laughs) David Thewlis, who... I mean, if you're on paper, you would assume he's going to play a villain in pretty much anything, but... uh, Obviously here, I think they did a good job of hiding him as not being the villain, uh, which is just a clever way that this movie plays it. Uh, but everybody says, no, you can't go. And then Chris Pine comes out and we're going to go anyways. And another one of these moments where it's kind of, it's supposed to be really dramatic, but the way Chris Pine delivers it, there's a little bit of humor there. He goes, we are probably going to die if I actually think about it. <laughs> um, but they decide to go, and then they're going to be off to find Saeed and Charlie and Kate and Sawyer and... <laughs> Boone! What about Boone? <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll cap it off there. Um, London, the hideous city that it is. Um, where do we start? London, right. <laughs> <laughs> Change your profile picture to Edda. <laughs> I did. I had to. Uh, I'm sick of staring at staring at uh, Chris Pine. I need to stare at a woman to make sure I'm still straight. Um, but yeah, I, the, I I just love. I always like sort of a fish out of water scene when she's like walking through and she's just like, "What are they doing?" And like, oh, they're holding hands, and it's like she just goes to do it, and um, just all little things like that. And yeah, just 
everything to do um, with Etta. Just, oh, so good. I love her. Um, and I like the, the line there when... What is she like? I can't remember what um, Diana says, and she's like, "Oh, I'm not opposed to a bit of fisty cuffs should the occasion arise." <laughs> like, yeah, she gives that like, "Hiya!" <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's so amazing. I love her. Um, but can I just like this? We we got to point this out at some point that this movie does kind of suffer a bit of the Titanic syndrome in the fact that we're seeing flashbacks here that Diana wasn't part of. So, like, mm-hmm. why are we seeing um, General Hamburglar shooting that random guy? Like, our men are tired and we need to, like, oh, do you think I have sleep? Bang! Like, I well, mean... It's not the, enti- the entire thing isn't told from her point of view. I mean, we- it's not like she's saying, well, this is what Ludendorff did when I don't know who Ludendorff is. True, but, I mean, we still don't need that scene because she's meant to be staring at a photo, whistling off into the distance, going, yeah. oh, 100 years ago. <laughs> but I mean, it is, and we'll get into this, you know, later on, but I think the whole point of keeping Ludendorff on the mind here, even Dr. Poison, is to lead you to believe this, if Ares does exist, this is who Ares is supposed to be, which is, I True. think, why it matters. In the movie. I do like the uh, the scene, though, when uh, Dr. Poison is there and she's got all those like, screwed up pieces of paper, like, I cannot work out the form, but then all of a sudden, like, she sees one piece of paper and she looks at it and how that comes back later on when, you know, we see Ares and kind of what's going on with all that sort of stuff. So I just like that kind of subtle little scene there. Um, but yeah, I like it when, like, Diana just stands in front of a car. <laughs> She's like, oh, what's yeah. this thing coming to? <laughs> and, like, Chris Pine just pulls her out of the way. Um, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot. I just, you know, the dressing scene's fun. Uh, like when she's like spreading her legs and she's like, how do women fight in this? <laughs> and she's yeah. like, you know, like doing that. And just as I said, I love the bit where she's going through the door and she's just like ready to run through it. <laughs> she's walking. I just, my favorite bit though is just like looking at all the people in the background, like the, you know, stuck up snooty women of Britain at that point, just staring like, oh, oh, who is that with a sword? <laughs> just Noah's in the background going, shut up. Um, the, the fight sequence, like the chase sequence, like, you know, it's one of these scenes of convenience and they go in the alley and he just happens to be standing there with a gun. Uh, you know, you got to give it a bit of leeway every now and then. But, you know, I love the way when he takes the cyanide that, like, Chris Pine just sees him doing it. At no point does he try to stop him. Like, you can actually see yeah. him. Like, it's so obvious when he pulls out the capsule of cyanide, he just grabs it and he puts it in his mouth casually. And Chris Pine's just looking at him, oh, typical German, swallowing well, the pill. I- <laughs> I think at that point he's kind of I mean, he's at the point now where he's kind of embarrassed she keeps bringing up Aries is like oh stop talking about this people are gonna think you're crazy <laughs> I do like I want them to think I got a crazy girlfriend I do like it when that guy like shoots at uh this is this is like the damsel in distress like he's like thinking oh, I'm the man I've got to protect the woman but at this point it's kind of like oh shit no she's gonna she's better than me and then like how she like mm-hmm. blocks with her what are they like cuffs or bracelet or whatever it is and then they'll have that moment of like silence where they're just kind of looking like huh what what and he's just like yeah maybe not <laughs> <Just Yeah. laughs> they do that um so i like all that scene but um i do like when when she goes into that meeting with all noah's favorite people there there, there is actually a bit where if you listen carefully you can hear someone in the background going there's a woman in here <laughs> yeah <laughs> i just kind of like that Which- line Again, if you just put in the context of, you know, 1917 or whatever, it's not even necessarily a woman. I mean, if if you were to have seen, you know, a, a, a teen, a 19-year-old in there, yeah, you know, it would have been like, there's a child in here. You know, maybe that child is, you know, some type of Doogie Howser genius and he's going <laughs> to win you the war. 
but it's still it's it's not what you see and it's not you know who these positions are given to yeah i mean there, there are subtle like there's one actual real little subtle reference i guess which is kind of i guess about the plight of women in this period of time it's like when um when edda says about like oh we're still fighting for the vote or like when well, she says something like oh maybe yeah. we'll get the vote or something like that so just subtle little things which again go back to my point from early on it's not shoved down your throat it's not like you're walking around <laughs> and there's women protesting give us the vote give us the vote you know what i mean it's just subtle little reference which i think kind of works um, but like, yeah, I mean, the, where are we up to sort of going up towards the, the bar and everything? Uh, what's, um, I've forgotten his name. Patrick Morgan. That's him. I, I, I kind of, I like him. Like, like, no one does it like snooty British people, but I, I kind of like how snooty and British he is. Like, oh no, we can't do this. I'm probably the opposite. Of, <laughs> I'm probably the opposite of no. I just kind of like these really snooty you British people. You love these guys. Yeah. I don't know. There's just something about them, which I just love them. Um, and particularly who he obviously turned out to be. We learned to Titanic, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Billy Zane. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I do, I do like the, the bar scene, uh, you know, when we meet Saeed, Jack, Kate, Sawyer, and Boone. Um, but, um, who, who is, what is actually the character's name of the Saeed, uh, Samir? Um, I just, I like how he's like, they're talking to, to Chris Pine and then he just sees her and he's like, Oh, who is this? What is this wonderful spec? Like the way, what, <laughs> I can't remember what he says. Um, like, Oh God, you're perfect or something like that. And then they're just speaking in another language. And then I love when Chris uh, Pine's just like, Oh, okay. So you're done now. <laughs> just the way they do that uh, and then I love it when you see uh, Charlie like in that fight oh and there's Charlie oh well, at least he can fight yeah he's not the one doing the punching <laughs> yeah he's the other one <laughs> and I just I love the line when he like she meets him so what were you fighting about oh I stole one of my drinks or something like that <laughs> And then, like, when they, before they go off to battle or whatever, that sort of stuff, and Samir's like, all I want is a picture of your pretty face. And she's just like, oh, well, I'm coming with you. (laughs) (laughs) Creepy, creepy Samir. Uh, I'm reading here that he's a French Moroccan. I'm not getting started on that. That's like my two kryptonites. Um, so, (laughs) bad combination for Ben here right now. But, um, yeah, it's fun. Like, I mean, you got your merry men. I mean, what do you call them? The sidekicks here? The I don't know. I wish Etta had gone on this journey, though. That would have made it more fun. I mean, <laughs> she wouldn't have really fit. But, um, you know, I think it would have been fun to see her trolling through Belgium. The group Etta's, they could have called the group Etta's Fisticuffs. Etta's Fisticuffs. What was um, uh, and the, the review you did with Jamie or something like that, where you're like, Oh, what's her, what's her name? And Jamie's just like, Mildred. Like, she, it wasn't Mildred. But she's like, <laughs> you're there, like, trying to look up a name. And you're like, oh, what's her name? And she's just, oh, Jenny. Like, oh, are you just saying random names? And she's like, Penelope. And then you're just like, oh, her name's Etta. And she's like, oh, Etta James. <laughs> she's asking, at last. Do you know what's so funny about that? Just as before we're getting ready to record this, I was trying to talk to Jamie about the Etta character. And I mentioned, you know, like Edda in uh, um, Wonder Woman, she goes Edda James. <laughs> the other she says, it's like, you mean Penelope? Well, I mean, let's, let's be honest, the only famous Etta, like, yeah, <laughs> it's not like you say like Chris, oh Hemsworth, Pratt, you know O'Donnell, like it's Etta, Etta James, like it's, yeah. you know. And, but now it's Etta James or Etta Candy. True. I mean, it's like name another famous Whoopi. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopi James! <laughs> oh, Whoopi Saeed. <laughs> <laughs> 
Whoopi Hemsworth. <laughs> Sir Patrick Whoopi. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopi Underwood, 2020. Uh, Sir Patrick. Anti Whoopi Anti Op. June Moon Whoopi. <laughs> Whoopi Hamburger. <laughs> Super Whoopi. Whoopi Woman. Whoopi Woman. <laughs> Can you imagine Whoopi Goldberg playing Wonder Woman? I want to see that movie. <laughs> I, I, right now, I'm thinking of how to do a Whoopi Goldberg impersonation. I can't think of how to do a Whoopi Goldberg impersonation. I'm Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm Whoopi Goldberg. I'm Wonder Woman. Wonder Whoopi! <laughs> and then even still, the little girl could have nailed that accent. <laughs> oh, my God. The only the only one I can think of is, like, her as a hyena in The Lion King, but it would probably be slightly racist if I tried to do it, so I'm not going to do that accent. Yeah, let's not even take the risk of them being racist on this episode. <laughs> Wonder Whoopi! Uh, we'll, we'll just go back for a second and talk about the bar scene that uh, you jumped ahead to. Thank you very much, Ben. Um, I guess not much to talk about there other than the fact that they uh, they introduced the other characters of the team here, or at least a few of them. Charlie, as you mentioned, who's, you know, it's not him. It's the other one who's getting punched. Uh, and then, uh, of course, Samir, who uh, I love when Samir... Uh, tries to give her Diana a hug or something like that, and she just sort of like awkwardly backs away from him. <laughs> it's not even like a get away from me, you creep. It's just like, all right, uh, no, not you, buddy. Uh, but uh, which goes to show my point know. earlier that like it's lucky that you know it's Chris Pine who shows up, this sexy man. Like if it's me who shows up, she's going to be like, oh, get away from me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's I guess the natural reaction to you, whether it's Wonder Woman or not. <laughs> but... <laughs> wow, Jesus. <laughs> That hurt, but um, all right. <laughs> but, but of course, Sir Patrick shows up here, second appearance of Sir Patrick, a.k.a. Ares. Oh, the, spoiler. Uh, not <laughs> Sorry if you're only halfway through the movie and you decided to <laughs> listen up to this point of the podcast. Um, there's a really good scene that follows this when they're getting ready to leave, and it's another one of these, you know, Diana experiences the real world. And there are so many moments like this that are really clever, and then other moments that are just really funny. You know, some of the ones that are clever are just, you know, random moments like where she's trying to charge across the battlefield. And they're like, well, no, you can't you can't do that. Or when, you know, she's trying to storm the castle later on and they're like, ah, oh, you're, you know, you're kind of distracting. But here it's just it's it's right up there with the baby where it's like this one's not made of clay when she has the here have an ice cream and she has it, it's like. <laughs> She's, what does she say to the guy like uh you should be very, very proud, proud. <laughs> and i know again like so many women i know will watch that scene and like all right this movie was made by a woman they get it. <laughs> yeah that's the one bit i really took away from that scene i'm like you can totally tell this is made by a woman at this point <laughs> yeah yeah if if a guy had been making it she would have been licking the ice cream slowly and he would have been watching her creeps are hanging out <laughs> yeah exactly she's staring at her own boobs <laughs> lots of weird things um the conversation that she has with steve here is probably one of the ones that sets up the whole point of this movie the best uh and and also the whole idea of aries which i'll talk about a little bit later on and this is where she's saying you know this team you put together we basically have a liar a murderer and a thief 
And he goes, well, that's kind of me. She goes, well, you're not that bad. And that's kind of the whole thing of this movie where she has faith in him. But he goes, well, I am a spy. I lied about who I was. I stole the notebook and I killed people on my way out. Liar, murder, a thief. Checked all the boxes. And he kind of has a good point there. But this whole movie is really just about how Diana sees him. And it takes her a while to kind of piece together not necessarily the things he does. It's it's love that saves the day. Because he's so right? hot. That's all it is. You know. Again, if yeah, it's me, exactly. if that's me, no. It's like you're a lying, cheating asshole. Fuck off. But oh, it's Chris exactly. Pine. He looks amazing below the waist <laughs> and above the waist uh, and everywhere else from every direction. <laughs> Let's stop talking about Chris Pine. I'm getting distracted here. <laughs> it's all right. Um, Robin Wright. Uh... <laughs> Robin Wright. Pony Nielsen. Gal Gadot. Okay. Um, I, love how Gal- so, I love how Gal Gadot's the third one on that list. Like, the star the of Wonder friend. Woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's only the third most attractive woman in this film, behind Robin White. <laughs> and, and fourth most attractive person behind Chris Pine. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Uh, there's a couple of brief scenes here, again, where it's just the clever things about how Diana would see the world. And if this is like... I, I talked about this in the review episode that the way that Gal Gadot played this and the way they portray her character is almost like the way a child would experience the world uh, where she's seeing all these people. It's like, well, we got to help these people. It's like, you can't help everybody. And this is where he explains what no man's land is. And this is where we get to the front lines finally. And uh, it's just a lot of back and forth debate about, you know, we have to save these people. We have to stop them. You can't cross this. He has a line there. And this is where anybody else making this movie would have been so predictable. And it's not even just a thing of a lot of people just want to give Patty Jenkins credit and say, well, this is what happens when you get a lot of woman direct a movie. A woman directed Aeon Flux. That didn't help that movie. <laughs> uh, it's the fact that she wanted to be subtle with everything in this movie. And when Chris Pine has the line, no man can cross this, the first thing that went through my head when I saw this is, she's going to say, I'm no man. <laughs> and that's like your typical you know, female action hero thing. Let's cram it down your throat. And instead, she just you know, gets up and goes. And this is by far my favorite sequence of the movie, the whole crossing of no man's land and even the, the second part that follows in the village and just how heroic it is. It's, it's, it's epic, it's heroic, and it's all in slow-mo, but yet what helps is that Wonder Woman's kind of like this humble, confident character. And this is the difference between other female superhero movies and even other male superhero movies and this. For the most part, I think when you make a male superhero movie – you just take for granted, well, the audience accepts they're a superhero. So Superman can be humble. You know, even Batman has a bit of humbleness with him. Uh, every once in a while, you get a character like Iron Man. It's the whole point of them being arrogant. But for the most part, superheroes are meant to not be cocky, not be arrogant, and just be like, I'm just doing what's the right thing. And that's the whole way she approaches this scene in this entire movie. Uh, and, and this battle scene, too. Like, even when they get to the village... It's not about, okay, I'm going to kill them all. Step behind me, boys. It's like everybody has their part, you know, except for Charlie, who's useless. <laughs> we'll talk about Charlie a little bit. Uh, but I just love the, the the humbleness that she has, and it's something that you get with Superman, and that's something that's been missing. And I, I know I mentioned this in the review episode, and I'm assuming you've never seen – you barely caught up on the Marvel movies. You've never seen the TV show Agent Carter that was a spinoff of Captain America? No, I've only seen Iron Man, so um, yep. Yeah, <laughs> Iron Man and 16 minutes of Civil War. <laughs> and, and, and the Hulk, the, the first Hulk, Edward Norton Hulk, which I'm about to watch okay. this weekend, but anyway. <laughs> and Spider-Man Homecoming, and Deadpool, which is not the same, but that's in the X-Men universe, Just, and I've seen two of them, so 
15 <laughs> movies or so. <laughs> I'm catching up, just, but, you know. <laughs> slowly. By the time, you know, Avengers 6 comes out, you'll be there be ready to cover the, the whole through. franchise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but the Agent Carter TV show, you know, they took this great female character from the Captain America movies, which, again, was done with a lot of subtlety. And they put her in a TV show, and first season was pretty good. Second season was terrible. But the problem they made in both seasons is that they they felt the need to cram it down your throat in every single scene. Every man is sexist. Every man's trying to hold her down. Nobody thinks that she could do anything because she's a woman, but she's so tough that she'll prove them all wrong. And it just got annoying because I, this is what I mentioned in the review episode. If you talk to your grandmothers or your great-grandmothers, if they're still alive, and you ask them, you know, are men better to women now than they were in the 30s and 40s? They're going to say they were much better to us in the 30s and 40s. Yeah, there are some things like the right to vote and things like that. But as far as how they treated you, I mean, every single grandmother out there would be like, men were gentlemen back in those days. And even just on a, a, I guess, slightly similar note, when she crosses the battlefield here, there's nobody saying, you can't do it, you're a woman. And then when they're in battle in the village, there's no question of, well, should we follow her? It's not like, well, how did a woman do that? It's just, hey, somebody's able to get through the front lines. Let's go. I mean, they're in a war. That's all they care about. And little things like that. And and what Patty Jenkins decided, let's not make this into, you know, this is a, a war between the genders. It's just, this is a superhero and this is the way it would be. And it's no different then if Superman says, follow me, everybody, you know, I know the way out, <laughs> you're going to get behind Superman. Um, Great Superman the impersonation. Only... <laughs> follow me, everybody. <laughs> I can see why they definitely did call you Clark Kent back in the day. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Follow me, everybody. I'm Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> <It's pretty laughs> the <same. laughs> there we go. There it is. Now our Whoopi Goldberg impersonation. Follow me. I'm Whoopi yeah. Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, there's so much good action in this, and I think... Even aside from how epic this scene is, like basically her unveiling as Wonder Woman, it's just the way that the action is presented that's so different. And some of the shots, like especially when she does involve everybody else and, you know, Charlie, who can't take a shot. And there is a point to it, which, you know, we'll get to in a little bit. She just says, you know, oh, jump up on this piece of metal and they all launch her into the tower and then just explodes. Now, she could have done that on her own, but it's the fact that she involves all of them. I really like that in the battle. And that one shot is like, that's right up there with the, you know, Robin right off the shield shot. Uh, And this, of course, all leads to the picture that we saw in uh, Dawn of Justice uh, coming back. And I'd love to actually do a comparison from Dawn just to see this. If all the extras in the background are the same, that's just kind of my own, you know, nerd thing I would want to do. Uh, but otherwise, like this No Man's Land sequence, like this is the best stuff in the movie by far. And of course, we also should mention Chief was introduced in there too. Yeah. Uh, so all of the team is there now and they all have a purpose except for Charlie. <laughs> Which, um, if you do watch the Honest trailer, they do make a very good point that the guy, the poor guy's got post traumatic stress syndrome or something like that. <laughs> like, he's, and they drag him into battle. <laughs> yeah. And he's like that, the bit the, when he's at the camp and he's like, you know, please don't, please don't, just leave me alone. And he just like runs off. <laughs> the poor guy's like struggling here, people. Um, but yeah, I, I was just going to say about the chief. I like the, the chief scene when he gets there and he's like, oh, I've got the, the German beer for the British and the, the British tea for the Germans. It's kind yeah. of like, you know, these battles in, in the front line, and yet they're still wanting each other's products. Um, so I can't, yeah, it's a nice little scene. Um, but yeah, this is kind of going back to my point, I think, that I made at the beginning of this that, um, you know, I watch this film watching it as a superhero. I don't, at no point am I watching this going, oh, she's mm. a female superhero, or, you know, she's, or do I watch Superman? Oh, he's a male superhero. And this is, again, my point from the very beginning of this episode. That's what I like about this film is that 
it's not shoved down your throat. And, like, I, I don't care what gender he or she is at this point. Uh, clearly, she's a she. I know that. But, like, I, I don't... <laughs> if you it, hadn't noticed. <laughs> yeah, it, it just doesn't bother me. And I think that's... Yeah, I completely agree with everything you say, particularly with that line. Like, no man can cross. You know what I mean? Um, I randomly just had this connection there. Like, when we eventually do the greatest movie of all time, Jurassic Park, and I say it's perfect. Um, there is definitely one scene which I really get cringy over. It's a bit where... Um, you know, they're, they're trying to go to the, the power thing to turn on the power back on. And, yeah. um, Hammond's like, well, I should go because I'm a, and Jora. And, you know, Ellie Sattler's like, oh, look, we'll talk about survival situations and sexism when I get back. It's like that scene is just so unnecessary. Um, well, and, but, but again, if you look at it from the point of view of the Wonder Woman movie and that point I brought up, you know, John Hammond's an old guy. It's not yeah. like he's saying this, like, women can't do this. He's saying, is it, you know what? I shouldn't be putting a lady in this position is like you switch the roles and that's a man you know who's maybe young and he's like well you know what you've got so much to live for kid i mean it's just him trying to be protective but of course people have to take scenes like that and turn it into something nasty when that's not really the intention well i did so because uh... <laughs> <laughs> you really see john hammond running through the jungle doing ellie Sattler style run <laughs> no uh... And we get shirtless. I would love to see a John Hammond in action scene. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that's the one episode that when we eventually get to, Colin, I can reference the book a lot because I've read that book. So <laughs> it's the one book you read. Okay, we're going to be able to discuss a book in a few months, and I'll be able to talk about how, the, how about how great the film is, but how the book is even better. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jurassic Park coming soon next year. Yeah, bring it on. But um, yeah, this scene is great. Um, and I just kind of like how she sort of gets up and runs through it. And she kind of, she starts taking the fire and then, you know, she gets more brazen with each of her approaches. And then they're launching like the mini gun at her. And the bit where she has that like grenade launcher, like launch and she just kind of flicks it aside and it's like, boom. Like it's just, it's just awesome. It's badass Diana scene. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like how, like, all of a sudden, you know, they're like, oh, she's taking all the fire, let's run! Like, do these German soldiers have any skill? Because, like, surely at this point they're like, oh, there's one woman running towards us and she's not firing. But fuck, there's, like, 50 other people running towards us and firing. <laughs> like, really? Like, that doesn't exactly stop. These Germans are basically the stormtroopers at this point. They're just, like, yeah. m- missing everything. But, yeah, I agree with everything. Like, the whole village scene's great and... Uh, isn't it when she jumps up on the shield? Is that when uh, Steve's like Diana shield? And that's when they yeah. like jump up. That's awesome. That's such a great scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just yeah, when like she sort of stands at the top of the tower and everybody claps. Um, you know that's just such a great scene. Yeah, the photo. Um, such a you know like as I kind of said back when we did Batman v Superman about how. You know, like in five, ten years' time, when there's a lot more of these films, you're going to hold this up a lot closer to the fact that, you know, this has been so well connected. And like, as mm-hmm. you said, how, you know, this film was what basically in production whilst Batman v Superman was there. So the fact that they've gone to that much detail, they've got Chris Pine. It's not like they've, you know, taken a photo, gone, oh, holy shit, let's superimpose Chris Pine on that, you know, on the DVD because we know he's cast at that point, whereas at the time of Batman v Superman he wasn't. You know, they've gone to that much detail with it. Um, it was originally a shirtless e, um, not Ian Malcolm, Jeff Goldblum in yeah, that scene. And exactly. they recast the role to Chris Pye. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'd like to see that actually. But um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, don't we all just want to see shirtless Jeff Goldblum? Come on. Um, 
uh, maybe not now. I mean, he's a bit old. Let's, let's be honest, he's still a good-looking man now. You just, have you seen Thor Ragnarok yet? Is he in that? Uh, yeah, going to, yeah, going to see it this weekend, so dating you know? this episode. <laughs> Don't worry, we've done that a lot this week on recorded episodes when we're talking about live scores of the World Series when the episode's not coming out for like three weeks, so anyway. Um, <laughs> congratulations to the Houston Astros. Uh, but anyway... <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, 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 sorry. This episode was recorded beforehand, so do we have to double the Atlanta Falcons? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 12 to 10. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, that, just that, the whole seek, the fact that the Houston Astros in the World Series, does that just remind you of Russell Hance? I don't even like the Boston Red Sox. It's the Houston Astros, baby. Sorry, hello to all our survivor listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I don't you know what I'm talking about. There to please the survivor listeners, because <laughs> yeah. you know there are only listeners at this point. Uh, but yeah, no, the photo bit's great. No, I, I I would like to see if you do go back and do your geek thing to see how you know recreated that is. Because um, I don't know in terms of the trivia, I haven't read anything about it. Um, it's kind of like I actually, it's sort of, um, you know, I randomly, this is a, sort of a tangent, but not really. Like I, I told you and the listeners that I recently rewatched the Back to the Future movies a few weeks ago and sort of like obviously in Back to the Future 2 when they're kind of going over a lot of the scenes you've seen in Back to the Future 1. I actually, there's a video on YouTube where they put them side by side because obviously there were some reshoots of the scene, the scenes from season, yeah. uh, season one, movie one into movie two. And like they're so subtle, the differences, like it's so well done the way they've recreated. Yeah, there's a few where they're off by a couple seconds but you know they're about 90 percent as accurate as they can be so um you know it'll be interesting to see i'm sure there is probably some sort of thing out there where we can see how close this is but um yeah i agree with everything you say uh after this is um the famous snow dance scene which is actually what you say that i have uh no heart no soul or whatever it is you say <laughs> but I love the love story in this movie because, A, it's not really a love story. I mean, it's it's not so much about, like, romantic love stories. It is just, you know, like I said, the faith in humanity. But that earlier scene where it's like you don't sleep with women and everything and then, you know, him uh, coming out of the bath. As I said to, you know, those people before who were totally wrong about this movie, those scenes had nothing to do with physical attraction. And even this scene doesn't have anything to do with it. You know, it's just them sort of dancing and it's just sort of a fun thing to do. And, you know, obviously they have like the kiss after that, but that's the only thing that's there in this entire movie. And this is also like days after them spending every minute together. And it's not like we're even getting as a physical attraction. You know, it's just like so many things in this movie is done so subtly. And the performance that Gal Gadot has, and I mentioned this as well in the review episode, that the way that she responds to the snow here is what gave me the idea that she's playing this like a child. Because the way that she looks around as the snow falls, it's like, I've never seen this before. What is this? It's just, it's like awe and wonder. Um, and uh, th- there's a couple of uh, moments in here where uh, she's talking. I don't know if it was in the snow dancing scene or the following one where she's talking to Samir. And then they mentioned Charlie, which let's quickly talk about Charlie here. Is Charlie the most useless character in the history of movies? Uh, or oh. was this a really good idea that just didn't get pushed hard enough because there wasn't enough screen time for, you know, a B-list character? Oh, in the history of movies is a bit of a stretch. Uh, <laughs> I mean... Well, like, let's let's run it down here. They put together this team. He's a sniper. They bring him into battle. He's lost one fight. He doesn't fire his gun in the battle. And does he even do anything in the final climax? Like, I've watched this movie three times, and I'm still trying to spot if Charlie does anything in the climax. He, he sings. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but look, he doesn't fight. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's not useless. Uh, I'm just saying 
um, in the history of movies. <laughs> I mean, well, it may be a bit of exaggeration, but like it doesn't. Go- <laughs> I'm kind of torn between it doesn't go anywhere and thinking maybe there's a point to it because yeah. Samir has the line here of saying, you know, uh, you know, war and stuff like that. Sometimes it changes people, and there's no changing them back. And they're probably trying to say something there about post-traumatic stress. And a lot of people have given this movie a ton of credit. I remember one of the first reviews I read of this before it came out was saying this is not only the best superhero movie there's been in years, but it's one of the best war movies there's been in years. And it's not like the whole movie is about war, but the way they present war is different and it's a lot uh, more realistic than what we've seen just through having moments like that where it's like maybe there isn't a point to his character. And this is why I'm saying I'm kind of on the fence with him. The fact that he doesn't do anything, that kind of is the point, maybe. I think it is. Uh, but I feel like, yeah. yeah. But I feel like that point would have gotten across more if maybe he had the amount of screen time that Samir has, you Look, know? I haven't, I don't know, I think you might have mentioned, I haven't seen any sort of extended versions or deleted scenes in this. I mean, you, I kind of feel there might be sort of more on, you know, I mean, you joke and say he's got PTSD and kind of like from the Honest trailer, but I mean, maybe this is a thing because, you know, like you take it into context, that, that sort of scene where he wakes up at the camp, he's kind of, you know what's it there for so like maybe that's there to show that he's struggling with this and everything and that um mm-hmm. you know like obviously the scene there where he's holding the gun ready to snipe and things like that so i i would say he's deliberately he's almost there in, in a way to show that he's w- like he's willing to help but just the effects of war or maybe it just kind of got lost in the edit or lost in the script or something like that 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 didn't get shown as much as it, it should have if you know what i mean so um yeah it's interesting sort of to to note that i mean it's kind of like there's one random bit here that kind of, to me, I sort of question, which it's kind of just a throwaway line. It's when they're talking to Samir and he sort of, I mean, I guess you can put it into context, but when he obviously is talking about how he wanted to be an actor, but I'm the wrong colour. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, oh, we've just got random reference to the early 1900s racism. Like, it's kind of like, okay, Um, like, cool. Like, that sort of goes nowhere. But, I mean, it's sort of there for the sake of it. So, yeah, I mean... I think I can I can definitely say I'm not saying he's not useless. He is useless. But I, I would argue that yeah, there's probably is a point to that, um, just judging on what we kind of see of him, if you know what I mean. I after this this is where it kind of starts setting up the climax and uh uh Ludendorff, uh you know Ludendorff had that scene earlier on where he basically kills all the Germans and this is the other thing I kinda want to get an opinion of somebody else on. Because we talked about this in the review episode, as I said, partly because we couldn't spoil who the villain was, but also because I think this movie does it so effectively of, uh, is Ludendorff Ares or is there even an Ares? And the next set of scenes is what really sets up whether or not, you know, there even is an Ares. But at this point, that scene earlier on where, you know, Diana's talking about he's not going to want peace and the Germans are even talking about we, we need peace. And Ludendorff just says, fine, I'll kill you all. I don't want peace. They're totally leading you to believe that he is Ares at this point. So, uh, like between this and the other scenes, before we even move on, were you suspecting that that would be it, or were you thinking that's too obvious? Um, I when I went into watching this, I had I think I had seen the Honest trailer beforehand, so I think I kind of knew that he wasn't like and I. I sort of had read something about how oh, it's a sort of a bit of a plot twist of who really is Ares. Um. So I kind of think in watching... Oh, goodness, Jamie. She just looked at a picture of Chris Pine, clearly. There's um, Chris Pine again. <laughs> wow. Need some tissues for her there. Uh, but um, I think that having sort of in the back of my mind knowing that he wasn't... But yeah, I think it also was a case of... It is it is one of these ones where it's sort of a bit too obvious. Um, which, I mean, sometimes they do use that as a sort of a reverse red herring, don't they? Like, oh, you think it's too obvious, so you're not going to believe it. But, oh, plot twist, he really is. You know, uh, Blofeld, Spectre, spoiler alert. Um, 
but yeah, I I kind of I guess I sort of already knew. So, uh, but yeah, I think it's it is a bit too obvious that you're thinking he is to answer your question. Well, when they get into the the castle here for the party, you know, Diana of course is trying to storm in right away. And another thing I really liked, where another movie directed by somebody else would have done this differently, is. You know, her trying to storm in there and uh, Steve's trying to hold her back. He basically spends this entire movie holding her back. And sometimes he's holding her back and he probably doesn't have to, like on the front lines. Uh, But then there's other times like, you know, with the baby or here where he's holding her back or even the meeting with all the generals and everything earlier on. He's holding her back and it's kind of a good thing he's there because she's just ready to storm and they say, I'm going to go get Aries. And he's like, no, don't go yet. And and the way anybody else would have played is like, why? Because I'm a woman. It's like, well, it's too dangerous. He even said it's too dangerous or something like that. Because I'm a woman. And he goes, no, because you're incredibly distracting. Like <laughs> you're not wearing any clothes. <laughs> and and he brings up that point, which is a logical thing where, where uh, you know, we talk about the Ludendorff thing. Are they trying to sway you one way or the other? They're even, I, I believe that whether it was in the script or whether it was just Patty Jenkins direction, they wanted you to think, oh, we're going to go here, but we're not going to go there. And him having the, that line where he goes, you, you look very distracting right now. You know, you're not even wearing clothes. Um, what, what you're wearing isn't exactly ever undercover. That was the line. Uh, and he just brings up a good point. So he's kind of, you know, at times holding her back. And that, that's just supposed to be a way like on the front lines where it's establishing her as being more heroic. Because, well, if you're saying you can't do it and then she does it, you know, the audience is like, well, I buy this more. Uh, but then the scene like this one where he is, uh, you know, saying, oh, you can't enter there. He's kind of her protector. So I just love the way that both of these are uh, played both sides of him as the protector here. Uh, and, of course, they get into the castle and uh, she mugs a woman in a dress. <laughs> which where is, where is this woman? She's like naked somewhere in the bushes. Yeah, yeah, because like Diana still has her uniform on underneath, so yeah, it's a very good point. And you did bring up the picture here, and yeah, there are some differences. I just quickly uh, did that. I literally did that while you're talking. I screenshotted both scenes, and um, yeah. there, there are a few subtle little differences. Yeah, yeah, but still, like very close. Yeah, very, very uh, close. The close Charlie, even he has like his cape or whatever over the arm. It's just his arm is slightly more covered in the movie version. Yeah, it's great. Um, and Diane is not looking at the camera in the original photo. That's another thing I'll uh, mention as a complaint there. But yeah, anyways, so this woman is not wearing anything because it's not like Diana says, let's switch clothes. You know, she's just <laughs> gone. So did she kill this woman here? Is well, she tied up you know, naked to a tree? I don't know. Like, where's, like, can we just say how net the Germans are at this point? Because, like, I mean, we've got some random snooty naked woman who's not alerting the authorities. We've also got this guard who's just basically... Oh god, these guys are annoying, and they're holding up the line. Come in without your invitation. Like, no <laughs> wonder they're so quickly infiltrated in World War One. Hitler wouldn't have allowed this in World War Two. Like, no wonder they lose in World War One. Here we here we are again. You know, if Hitler were around, the Germans would be much better people. <laughs> Hitler got shit done before he went evil. Well, he kind of got that done too, but not in a good way. Not necessarily a good thing, but anyway. Let's move on. Um, what that was a famous Bernie now? Eccleston quote. Can I just say for Formula One fans, because I'm sure there's heaps of them listening, he got into a lot of trouble where he basically said at one point, like, I admired Hitler. He got things done. And it's like, I just sounded like Bernie Eccleston there. So good job, Ben. <laughs> this is where we have to please our two biggest audiences, Survivor fans and fans of uh, the qualifying lap. Let's see if I have bad water. All my fans out there, let's be honest, said, oh, Ben's got a show about Wonder Woman. Quick, stop the Formula One watching. Let's listen to Wonder Woman. He might reference Bernie Eccleston talking about Hitler. Um, but the dress. Let's, 
Sorry, let's talk about the dress for a second here. Uh, I have this as my profile pick, and this kind of made its <laughs> rounds on the internet before the movie came out. You know, when there was that shot in the trailer of her wearing this dress, and you see the sword sticking out of the back, and there's this clever picture which you can, you know, find easily, where the top half is her, you know, Gal Gadot in the dress, and the bottom half is a diagram of where the sword <laughs> would be placed if she were nude from the waist down, <laughs> which I think you could put two and two together. It's and in her butt so- cheeks, people. Yeah, but so many people got so upset about this that that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And then as soon as the movie came out, women all over the world spent the entire summer posting photos of themselves with swords in the back of their dresses completely normally just to prove all these people wrong. You know, this is this is feminism in superhero movies at its best. If you question if a woman can stick a sword down her back and not have it, you know, penetrate her anally... <laughs> Women wow. Will prove, <laughs> women will prove that it can be done. Like, the amazing things women can do, you know? Can I, can I just point out that the two sort of lines in this uh, episode that you would assume came from me, the drop down from the sky and give some penis and penetrate her <laughs> anally, both came from Colin Hilding. You're learning, Colin. Well done. Yeah, I've uh, been brushing up on my 12 volumes of Cleo's Treatises of Pleasure. <laughs> you, and, you and Jamie have been role-playing, haven't you? Oh, look at you two growing up. Swords, dresses, Chris Pine masks, you know. <laughs> um, but there, here's another one of the lines here, like where Ludendorff dances with Diana, which is just an eerie scene. And I, I just want to say, I love Danny Houston in this movie. He's one of these actors that, you know, most people probably would never know by the name. He pops up every once in a while. You know, he even played... A villain already not in like the Marvel universe, but in the first X Men uh, or the not X Men the Wolverine movie, he played uh, the villain Striker in that. You know, he's such a great actor, and he he plays this so over the top, but yet there's something sinister about him. And this is what is missing from so many superhero movies: is you kind of have to be afraid of him. And when he's dancing with Diana, you know that she could rip apart in you know seconds, but it's just he, he gives you the creeps. And then when he starts talking about, you know, the the Greek mythology and stuff like that, it's one of those moments where you're like, well, this is obviously him. And up until now, I was thinking, no, he's not going to be Ares. And then he started mentioning that, and I'm like, well, now it's getting too obvious, kind of like you mentioned. Uh, but still, I think it's clever they put those lines in there, you know, to explain to the audience. And then, you know, after this, there's uh, the scene, well, obviously Chris Pine, uh, a.k.a. Steve Trevor. <laughs> he's He has the distinction of just being known by his real name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, he hits on Dr. Poison, <laughs> which, what was his goal there? Was he actually just trying to get in bed with Dr. Poison, or... Hey, wouldn't we want to... Tr- would well want to crack there. Yeah, but, like, it, it did bother me that, uh, you know, she's supposed to be, like, this brilliant scientist. And she even says, you look familiar. You know, yeah, he was the guy who stole your notebook, like, ten feet from your face <laughs> and set off this whole chain of events. You think that it would have been... Who is that guy? Can we get his picture? Like, he was a spy. Guaranteed they have, like, a photo ID of him or something like that. The inept Germans, it, again. Hitler wouldn't have allowed this shit. <laughs> yeah, even Dr. <laughs> Stop talking about Hitler, Ben. <laughs> it's a bad vacation. We need um, to talk about Hitler at the end of this film when we get to it. Come on. There is a bit where we've got to reference Hitler. Okay, well, I'll, I'll wait for it because it's not so <laughs> obvious to me. <laughs> um, yeah, but she tries to go after Ludendorff and this is another one of the moments where he kind of has a point in holding her back and saying if we take him out now we can't stop the gas now of course they couldn't stop the gas anyways which is what the next scene is about but there's that great moment and this is you know probably the best acting 
of, and this is saying a lot because Chris Pine, he's an underrated actor. He's had some really solid performances in some blockbusters and even in some that aren't. He was in a, a movie last year that got nominated for Best Picture. And it was probably, in my opinion, it was by far the best movie of the year called Hell or High Water. It was like, you know, two brothers who were robbing banks. Amazing in that movie. But this scene is the best acting of his career when he's, you know, all emotional and saying, you know, maybe there is no Aries. Maybe people just aren't always good, you know, Uh it's it's a smart scene because this is when he said that this is where i started to suspect this movie's not going to have an aries it's going to be about the fact that you know you don't need to be controlled by some greek god people just go bad sometimes and that's kind of what like the next set of scenes is about you know it's just he's so good in that scene and then he says something about we're all to blame and she goes you know not you or whatever uh that's of course i think they can combining the two scenes before and after the fight with Ludendorff here. But there is the fight with Ludendorff as well, uh, which because he has the gas, you know, it's a supervillain fight. You're again starting to think, well, maybe he's going to be Ares here. She goes on her whole thing, you know, uh, Diana Femiscura, daughter of Hippolyta, you know, warrior of the Amazons, I banish you, whatever. Um, you kill, but I'm the husband to a murdered wife, the f- husband, yeah, the exactly. father to a murdered son, and I will get and my I revenge. My <laughs> this life or the next. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Russell Crowe moment here. <laughs> but yeah, which he stabs him and nothing happens. There's a bit of an explosion, which I think is just like the power of Wonder Woman or something like that. And nothing happens. And that's what leads to the next scene where she's like, the war's still going on. And he brings up a good point. It's like people are just bad sometimes. And this is kind of that child, you know, innocence she has. Uh, we'll kind of stop it there before we get into the real reveal of Ares, which is Sir Patrick, by the way. <laughs> if you didn't want it spoiled, you shouldn't have listened to this episode. Um, but there you go, Ben. Uh, have at it. Anal penetration at all. <laughs> wow, Colin, I've been dreaming for you to say that to me for a very long time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just got awkward. Um, this is where I want uh, Will Smith standing in the background uh, just going... You are evil! <laughs> you are evil! <laughs> Lady, you That is evil. one nasty woman. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to get a white person all up on that shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, God. Uh, the, the one bit I just want to go back on, sort of, like, yeah, the snow. It's, it's a sweet little scene. Um, it's kind of like, I sort of went into this assuming that um, that her Wonder Woman and Chris Pine, uh, Steve, uh, they wouldn't have sex. Like, I just assume, like, oh, you know, it's kind of, they're not going that route, if you know what I mean. But, uh, no, pun intended for our Australian listeners, route, haha. But, um, root means have sex in Australian, if you didn't understand that joke, Colin. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you're like, what? Uh, but I, I, I still... Canadians, it's put a sword in your dress, but that's just us polite Canadians. I wonder I never picked up when I was in Canada on Tinder. Um... <laughs> But um, I just, I like kind of the subtlety of the scene that's implied that they make love, Um, (laughs) you know, just sort of where the door closes and uh, I don't know, it's a a sweet little scene. So yeah, cool. Um, (laughs) Although I've written on my notes, they kiss and fuck. So that's me where I go (laughs) with my notes. (laughs) Um, yeah, that woman with she's naked in the jungle somewhere. Like that just reminds yeah. me of the Santa Claus, like with Tim Allen. He's naked somewhere. <laughs> like I just want some, <laughs> I want some German guy. Like, she's naked somewhere. Uh, <laughs> why do all the Germans in this movie speak English? <laughs> like Hitler wouldn't um, have allowed that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think 
it, it, I mean, it's not stated, but in movies like this, it's usually implied that they're speaking German, but it's being translated for the audience's sake. Oh, you ruin it for Ben. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I like. Uh, I, I guess you would like um, Chris Pine when he's at the the fire with Doctor Poison. I love fire, don't you? Uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, yes, Chris Pine. Talk dirty to me about fire. Burn, Burn, her. <laughs> Burn the woman. <laughs> uh, See, that would be me. The last to a truth. My name is Colin Ilding. I'm Canadian. <laughs> And I, I, I like to watch people burn. <laughs> oh, so true. The the thing that I never like until I saw that picture that you put up there with the like the, the sword anally penetrating Diana. Um, I never. I honestly, and this is me. You think I'm the one who would think this first of all? I didn't think of that. I'm thinking, how the hell are these Germans not seeing a woman walk around with a sword in the back of a dress? Like. He's dancing with it. Doesn't he, like, put his hand on a dress and go, oh, what is this contraption? You have a sword. Oh, fair enough. The Kaiser is just here. Like, I mean, this it's is... Just, it's a fancy back tattoo. That's what they're thinking. <laughs> it's 3D. Oh. <laughs> Like, the thing that, like, just amazes me, like, again, this is meant to be the peak of, like, German intelligence in the 1918, I will correct myself, it's 1918, so, like, it's, um, you know, the Kaiser is there, like, this is the the leader of Germany is there at this thing to watch this demonstration of how evil the Germans are (laughs) by, like, you know, gassing a whole town, and yet for some reason they can just allow this woman with a sword to get close up to Hamburglar. Like, you know, jokes aside, no wonder Hitler had to come around and make things were done properly. The Germans could do anything in 1918. They were terrible. Don't they lost the war? Um, when they gas this village, she, like, goes running in to see it, right? So, okay, fair enough. She's Wonder Woman. She's what meant to be immortal. How can Chris Pine just, like, get that close to the gas, go, <coughs> and not die? We saw the gas, how bad that was with these other people. Like, is that a bit of a plot hole there that this gas just does not affect uh-huh. them? Well, I mean, maybe you could say, like, when you look at how close uh, Ludendorff has to snort it, <laughs> maybe <laughs> it, it's one of these things where, it, like, it, it dissipates within a few seconds or something like that. Maybe. Who knows? But anyway, so uh, I love I love the scene when, like, she's uh, on the horse and he's on the motorbike and they're driving to that, oh, uh, yeah. the what is it, like, the Ruthless. plane, the runway, whatever it is. Um yeah, I mean, it's it's a great scene, like, the action, like, as I said, like, as you were saying, in terms of, like, thinking he's going to be Ares, but then she just kills him. And this is kind of, like, a difference, I think you were referencing people like Superman and that before. This is, I mean, one key difference with Wonder Woman, she's not afraid to kill people, you know? I mean, it's kind yeah. of written into the, the comics. Job. Yeah, well, it's written into the comics, isn't it, about Batman and Superman technically don't kill um, mm-hmm. even though we've seen differences of that so far in the DCEU. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think it's kind of, it's just one unique thing about her. And it's, it's almost like a superhero thing, I feel, that for the most part, you think of most superheroes, they don't go out of their way to kill people, you know? I mean, Spider-Man doesn't right. just willingly kill people, you know? Even Iron Man, I think, doesn't really go and willingly kill people. I've seen one film, I can't tell you the other two. But, um, you know, it's just kind of, it's a superhero thing. But the fact that she just willingly, just straight away, just murders this guy. Like, it's kind of like, okay, cool, badass. Like, she's willing to kill people. Um, ben but, likes his women as murderers. Oh, yeah, baby. Um, <laughs> Tinder profile, please be a murderer. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't really have a whole lot to add. It's, it's, I mean, the action's great. The special effects are great. Um, everything looks fantastic. And um, who's the who's really Aries? Don't spoil it for me. It's not Sir Patrick Morgan, is it? Well, I mean, 
who else would it be? He's the obvious choice, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's appeared in three scenes so far, and uh, um, he's David Thewlis, so he's going to be bad, right? Probably. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, he appears, and I think that was a surprise. And I, I was it uh, in one of these movies where I complained about the villain in the Bone Collector? Or was that something else that I was talking about? <laughs> Sure, that iconic <laughs> Oz Network moment where Colin Hilly well, complains about the Bone Collector villain. Yeah, no, I was just—I remember one episode we were recording where I was complaining that, like, whenever they try to surprise the audience, it just—it reaches the point where you're not coming up with somebody clever. You're just—that was in the Clue episode. Listen to Clue with uh, me and Anthony Rossi, available via iTunes. Uh, but yeah, the, when you try to surprise the audience with who the villain is. And just because the only way you could surprise them is to come up with a character that nobody remembers in the movie, which is what the Bone Collector did, which is the worst twist of all time. Uh, I don't know why I'm getting on the Bone Collector now. It's just <laughs> back to Wonder Woman. But I think this one is just the right balance. You know, he's a character that's somewhat important. And it's also maybe it works if it had just been, well, Sir Patrick is the villain. Well, then, that, yeah, that's lame. But when Ares has been built up this whole movie and then you're led briefly to think, well, maybe there is no Ares. And then, well, this is Ares. He's this nothing character, but we've heard about Ares. It works because Ares has been built up as such a big bad guy. And I just love how he just reappears and disappears, and you start to wonder, like, is there a way for her to kill him? And then, of course, when she tries to stab him with the sword, and it just goes, like, right, well, his hand just disintegrates the sword, and she's like, but that's the god killer or whatever. You know, we find out here, this is, we'll basically just finish off the movie here, because it's all really one big climax. Um, we find out, you know, what Diana really is. You know, she is a, I guess, what would you consider a demigod, um, a daughter yeah. of Zeus, uh, sister to Ares, a, and a Wonder Woman, maybe. She is a wonderful woman, <laughs> is what she is. <laughs> what a wonderful woman! Wonder what if they woman? had a scene like that? Like, you know, in the Christopher Reeve Superman, where he gets the name, and Lois is just like, "What a Superman!" And she's like. <laughs> Superman! What if we had that? Chris Pine, what a wonderful woman. Ding! Wonder Woman! <laughs> or oh, just so forced. That would be like, yeah, that would be like your, so what are we, some kind of suicide squad? <laughs> so you live to man. die another day. So you are a wonderful woman. <laughs> um, but like the fight scene here is great because they really show, you know, what his powers would be and for a woman who's this powerful, it was even hard in Man of Steel because he's fighting a guy with the same powers as him. And even as with Doomsday, he's fighting the person with the same powers as he has. This is an opportunity where you have Wonder Woman who's just as powerful as Superman. And you're able to have her in a fight scene where she's completely overwhelmed. And it's not because, well, he can kill her. He probably couldn't. But how does she beat a guy like this? She can't catch him. You know, he can wrap her in iron and steel that's, you know, been uh, uh, pulled out of the rubble of the <laughs> explosions that she's created. I mean, it's just a really powerful action scene. And, of course, as this is going on, Samir and Chief are doing their thing, and Charlie is there somewhere singing. Filming Charlie blog. Uh, Charlie, yeah, the Charlie, that's what it is. There's always somebody doing a blog in these movies. That blog, Charlie blog. Uh, who was it last movie? Uh, Diablo blog or whatever it was. Oh, uh, Captain Boomerang. Boomerang blog, that's it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so the DC Universe always has the nobody character that's just blogging the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> this could be like a big ploy for the whole DCEU that later on they're going to release this, like, you know, elaborate website. It's like, see, behind the yeah. scenes from the fight between Superman, Wonder Woman, and Doomsday featuring footage by Batman. Here I am, standing, watching them fight. I'm too afraid to pull the trigger. Wait a second, is that Sir Patrick that's destroying the city? <laughs> oh my Why god, lol! Sir Patrick's do- uh, Ares, what the hell? Lol! Crikey, I'm Scottish. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Crikey, uh, I'm Scottish. <laughs> Accurate impersonation of a Scottish person. Crikey, I'm Scottish. <laughs> hey everybody, follow me! <laughs> They will never take our <laughs> lives, but they will not take our freedom. Crikey, I'm Scottish. Uh, but I, I love how they're destroying the entire landscape here. It's not just buildings crumbling around them. Like, he's pulling the ground up and not just, you know, the the tarmac of this uh, runway. It's like he's pulling the entire ground up and there's like a chasm beneath her. It's just there's some unique things done in here. And uh, obviously Steve, you know, decides to come and he gives her the pep talk and everything and She's. I, I always couldn't tell if she was deaf at that point, and then when she remembers back later on, she's kind of like, well, I could read lips or something like that, <laughs> or if she just wasn't, because she keeps saying, well, I, I can't, I don't understand what you're saying, but it still it plays really well when he's giving this big speech to her, and you're hearing nothing, and then he just sort of says, you know, goodbye, and just leaves, and you only find out later on what the speech is. Like, that's a love scene, Ben. This is, is the romantic and Colin coming out. <laughs> like, I mean, I get it, but I mean, I've got something to complain about that, but we'll get to that, but anyway. Oh. <laughs> ben, you you have no spirit for love. <laughs> this is, this is coming from a person who's been Titanic. <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> um, you know, obviously Steve goes off in the airplane, and this was a... They had to try really hard to not be too close to Captain America, the first Avenger. It helped that that movie had like a fraction of the audience that this had. But obviously the end of that that movie, you know, it's it's World War II in this case. And there's a gas that's going to be dispersed. And in that case, it's Steve Rogers, you know, a.k.a. Captain America, also played by Chris, Chris Evans, not the poor man's Chris. <laughs> uh he goes on the airplane and sacrifices himself to blow it up and everything or drive it into the ground. It's very similar to that, but I find that because they have that other scene where, you know, he he says goodbye to her and everything. And then this is sort of, it's not the climax of the movie. That's just what leads to her rage. And she briefly becomes like the God killer here. And there's that moment where she almost kills Dr. Which I love the moment where she almost kills Dr. Poison. And another minor complaint that I think Dr. Poison's too tame in this I don't think that we should have seen tears in Dr. Poison's eyes. You know, if we didn't see tears in, in Ludendorff, the whole idea is that Ares says here, I didn't have to push them into war. I'm not controlling anybody. I just whisper something to this person. I whisper something to this person. And then these humans start all on their own. So if Ludendorff is that evil, I think that Dr. Poison should have been that evil. This is equality. Come on. It's 2017. People. <laughs> Women should be as evil as men. Exactly. Yes. Uh, but where she almost cr- just the fact, like, talk about the visual of Wonder Woman holding a tank over her head, ready to crush another woman. <laughs> like, I know every man has dreamt about that at some point in his life. <laughs> yeah, uh, at least I have. Uh, but it's just so great. And then when she drops it, and then she gives her speech again, and you know, she becomes the god killer here, and she catches his lightning, and she redirects it back to him, and. Ares is dead. Big sound effects here. We got to get excited. <laughs> um, 
Mustache on a horsey again. Oh, she rides in a horse. <laughs> you know, people who don't listen to Double R Seven won't get half of the jokes we tell on the air. But here. maybe you should. Now all- available via iTunes and Stitcher. <laughs> yeah. People don't realize Double or not Double R Seven. The Oz Network is a two hundred episode commercial for Double R Seven, which you should listen to. Via iTunes <laughs> the only Stitcher. reason why we do this show is for you to listen to Double R Seven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also uh, featuring but- references to the qualifying lap. <laughs> Um, but there's another important thing with the scene and that's when she does go back and I don't know if the scene is her supposed to be, well, I, I did hear him, but I didn't understand what he was, was going on or if it's just, this is like interpretation. Well, I couldn't understand him, but I could read lips. What was he saying? Or maybe she's just imagining what he was saying, but there's that, you know, great moment there where he says something about, you know, I, I can save today. You can save the world. It's such a great line. Like that's like such a great superhero line there. And he's not the superhero, but then of course it, it's it perfectly you know brings closure to her character that even not just the whole god killer thing but the, the what are the amazonians purpose their purpose was that they were put there to basically police the gods from destroying the humans and she's been going back and forth with, with you know well how can the humans do this how how are so many people getting hurt why are they not stopping even if Ares is dead and the whole movie is just about, you know, one human giving her hope. And this is why it's not a love story in that sense when she says, you know, love, save the day or whatever. It, it was more just, you know, that gave her hope in humanity. Here's one good person. Maybe he is a liar, a murderer, and a thief, but this is why humans are worth saving. Uh, I, I love that last moment, though, where, you know, she just before she blasts Ares, she goes, goodbye, brother. Like, oh, so good. I, th- this is... A little bit of something that Superman was missing. Just this, you know, great epic superhero, even if it is corny. Uh, she, she just does so well. with Like, Gal Gadot is so good in this movie, even if they are playing to her acting limitations. <laughs> uh, and that's pretty much it, other than, you know, the brief scene with Steve's picture when the war is over there. Now you know, Ares is gone. There really is peace, so maybe humans aren't bad. Maybe that's the moral of the story. We're all just being manipulated by Greek gods here. <laughs> um Back to her, look at the picture. She has a little bit of a cheesy speech, you know, uh, about uh, love. Only love can truly save the world. And then she writes that night's email to Bruce Wayne. When he says, maybe he'll tell me the full story. She says, thanks for bringing it back to me. Now, he's trying to pick her up at this point. It's like, I found your long lost artifact. You know, I, I, I hit on you at the Lex Luthor's party. I found your long lost artifact. We saved the world together. I invited you to join my league. Here's your picture. And she's like, Thank you for returning my true love to me, Bruce Wayne. Like, he's just crushed at this point, isn't he? I'm Bruce Wayne in that situation. That happens to me all the time. You're like, you think you've done everything you can with the girl? Oh, great. You just get a reply. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for the picture, man. Cheers. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for the picture. Bruce Wayne sending dick pics. Thanks for the picture, Bruce. (laughs) You didn't see the other attachment underneath that. (laughs) He's my penis. of course, the whole movie ends with Wonder Woman flying through the sky. Wonder Woman. Uh, she's a. I was going to say she's a flying Wonder Woman. <laughs> the end. Uh, let's just briefly mention as great as the score is in this movie, uh, and it is probably right up there with Batman vs Superman for me as far as these DC movies go. What is that song that plays in the end credits? It's terrible. The actual the song with singing in it. Yeah. Are you referencing the legendary Australian singer as seen on Survivor Co-Rong Sia? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's 
It is a terrible song. It's Sia featuring Labyrinth. Yeah, yeah, bloody hell, she's Australian. You leave Sia alone. (laughs) I mean, the song she did for the Australian movie, I don't know if it was an Australian movie, but the movie Lion, that's a great song. This song's awful, though. This is... uh, Wonder Woman deserved it. Wonder Woman deserved that song from Lion. To Be Human, featuring Labyrinth. Uh, see ya. <laughs> so, it's okay. It's not the best from all the DCEU. It's, it's, it's average. You know, give me heathens and uh, suck of a pain any day of the week. Um, but yeah, it's, it's okay. Um, uh, so, um, did you even reference the fact that Steve killed himself at this point? <laughs> I don't think yeah. you did. Did you? Well, I, I said mean, he blows it? himself up. Oh, well, okay. Well, that's true. I think... It's implied he dies if he blows himself up. Does it? I mean, isn't? But didn't you reference like he's so important in the DCEU and here they are just killing him well, off? No, this is, this is oh, Jimmy Olsen all back. over again. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, everybody can come back, right? Uh, maybe this is Steve Trevor Senior, and there's a Steve Trevor the Fourth later on, <laughs> played by Chris Pine. <laughs> yeah. You look I so mean, much it, like it your is, granddad. It is important, like. As I said, Steve Trevor is like a huge character in the whole DC universe, but he really did start in Wonder Woman. So, you know, if they're going to use him, this would be the one to use him. And I'm sure they could bring back Chris Pine, you know, resurrected from the dead. They did it with Captain America. Why not Chris Pine? There's um, All Chris's deserve to be resurrected. <laughs> All Chris's are superheroes, hashtag. Um, but... The like this is kind of similar to um to Man vs Steel when you know Zod's like we're going to recreate Krypton here on Earth the way he's all like we're going to recreate you know make it a paradise again like in no way like this is even I think more of a why doesn't she side with him than Zod because like you know you can probably understand a little bit more you know Superman's you know hung out with humans a lot longer so he gets uh you know that sort of more of a balance. You know, Wonder Woman's only been with humans for about a couple of days here. <laughs> so, like, shouldn't she just be like, yeah, all right, these are nice pretty trees that you're showing me here. Uh, like, this is paradise. Uh, Where's just, the snow? That's the problem. If you'd shown her snow, he would have sided with her and they could have ruled the world. Give her an ice cream. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it takes. Um, during this whole fight sequence when, you know, Chris Pine and everybody's going to the plane, how come none of the Germans or anybody's looking at this massive battle that's happening at the end of the runway? <laughs> Again, a nep German's like, oh, what is all that going on down there? Shit, American trying to steal plane! Uh, well, I'm sure that they've seen worse in the war, the <laughs> war to end all wars or whatever it's called. You know, you just got these two people shooting lightning from their hands and lifting up yes. concrete. <laughs> Um, is it implied what even happens to Dr. Poison here? Does she die? Did I miss that? Or, um, I mean, she, I think she probably just runs away. <laughs> she loses a mask. Dr. Poison, uh. <laughs> maybe, maybe it is just that's a way to set up for her coming back in a future movie. Who knows? Like, again, you don't see a body. They're not dead. So, well, you don't see Chris Pine's body. So, you know. You don't see Ares' body. Exactly. Well, I mean, you th- think about um, uh, Dark Knight Rises when Bruce Wayne's off in the distance with a nuclear bomb. You assume he's dead, but next minute yeah. he's chilling with Alfred in the background in, like, yeah. Italy or wherever the fuck they are. Um, so, you know, um, the, the one bit, though, like, when when Chris Pine blows himself up and we've got to have a, no, of course, no! you know, overdramatic no, but it's fine. Um, this ending gets a lot of criticism, does it not? Isn't this the one bit where people complain about Wonder Woman? They say, oh, the ending was just over the top. 
Um, I mean, I think it's fine. I don't think there's anything that bad about it. I think it's kind of, you know, standard superhero ending of a movie. And again, kind of going back to what I was saying earlier about how, yeah, we're sort of in this gritty superhero world now, but you've got to have mm-hmm. your cheese in a superhero movie every now and then. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because again, we're literally watching a woman who is a god here fighting another god in the yeah. midst of World War One. Hmm, that's realistic. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, not a whole lot more to add. I, I mean... The one thing I'll add, though, with this love story, I mean, <laughs> is this the the James Bond? Um, I always forget a name. Oh, Eva don't Green scenario when he's like, "I love you, Vesper." Like, Vesper thank you, Vesper. Vesper. Like he, you just met this woman. Why do you love her so quickly? <laughs> She's Wonder Woman, Ben. Like, if you meet Wonder Woman, are you not going to be? I love you within two seconds. I guess Leo fell in love with Kate Winslet on Titanic in like a day, but you know that's yeah. an iconic love story. Um, stop talking about Hitler and stop talking about Titanic, okay? I've got to talk about Hitler here in a second. I have to. There's nothing. I'm avoiding Hitler here in a minute. Um, yeah, I, I like, you know, the ending. Like, I like that bit where they're kind of celebrating the, the end of the war and they've got the photo up there on the wall. And can I just point out, we're obviously uh, releasing this episode in Australia on the 3rd of November, 2017, to date it. Uh, basically a week away from the day that World War One actually ended, the 11th of November. So... How's that for timing? Um, but yeah, the end bit, you know, the the email, great, cool. But like, okay, I'm I'm not the only one who's ever raised this, and I I don't know if there's an explanation to this. She talks about like, you know, oh, love is the key and all this sort of stuff, and great, you've stopped World War One, Diana, fantastic, good for you. World War Two happens in about twenty odd years. Does she <laughs> stop Hitler? Like seriously, what does she do about that? Like Hitler is so much well, worse than the Hamburglar here. Like what does she do to <laughs> stop Hitler? Does she stop September Eleven? Does she stop the Vietnam War? Does she stop Kennedy getting assassinated? Kate, does she stop Apollo thirteen? <laughs> Apollo thirteen is on level with nine eleven. <laughs> they were stuck in space. <laughs> they didn't get to go to the moon. <laughs> they got home safe. You're also ignoring the fact that she would have to know. She would have to know that the World Trade Centers are going to be targeted to stop it, wouldn't she? Well, okay, fair enough. Dumb point by September 11. But she was still alive during World War Two. She's watching everything happen. Did she, she drop the bombs on, on Japan? She was back in Themyscira, you know. She's not allowed to go back. Little bath. <laughs> I'm trying to make too this- critical. No, it's not too critical. Screw you, Diana. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I think I swear there actually was an explanation for that. I think there was, is there not something in something I read or maybe it was in Man v, Su- uh, Man v Superman? Uh, <laughs> Man v Superman, who wins battle? Superman versus Wonder Woman. Um, I think that maybe it was in the extended edition or something I read where it's kind of slightly referenced, like how she had to go into hiding and she couldn't get into, I don't know, there was something maybe I've, Red, but um, yeah, uh, the, and just the the theme, the the that that sounds like get smart or something. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, that that's awesome. I love that that, but uh, it is missing. Wonder Whoopie. I mean, Wonder Woman. Oh, uh, that's it for Wonder Woman. Credits so... are good too. Credits are good too. We talked about that, the cool sort of graphics on screen yeah. in Suicide Squad. It's a similar thing here with Wonder Woman. Just then. And no no uh, hidden scene in the credits. No, uh, despite what I thought. I was mixing up the two scenes in Suicide Squad. But we do know Wonder Woman will be back because she got that picture. And uh, <laughs> it's Wonder Woman will who's... return. It's like James Bond will yeah. return. <laughs> any, any, any guy who's nice enough to send a picture of an old boyfriend deserves, you know... 
to have you join his league and save the world. Well, let's from- be honest. Let's be honest, though. Bruce White, nice guy. Like, you know, he's trying to get into... Like, we joke about him trying to get into a pants, but he's your ex-boyfriend. Like, just, you know, pine over the watch and, you know, this sort I- of stuff. <laughs> get it? I did that deliberately, of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Can, is, is it in the comics that Bruce Wayne and, and Wonder Woman actually get together? Uh, I, I don't know if they ever actually got together. They kind of always have, like, the flirtation thing. But they did do, a few years ago, Wonder Woman and Superman became a couple. Oh. And it was amazing. It was, well, like, the, you can see that. They had a Wonder Woman-Superman comic series, and it was dealing with, well, what is a relationship like when you're the two most powerful people on the planet, you know? Jesus Christ, that's sex. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> You think there's sparks and explosions when she kills a god? Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Wait till she bangs one, yeah. <laughs> You're anally penetrating me swordly. Uh. <laughs> I went there. There we go. <laughs> Classic Ben. All right. Colin Is that shot. all you have to say? <laughs> yes. Uh, that's all I have okay. to say, Colin Hilding. <laughs> um, let's talk quickly about the box office here. So it made a lot of money, a whole lot of money. Cool, let's write it. Um, <laughs> so at the worldwide box office, it's uh, trailing a couple of the Marvel movies, just barely. Uh, 821 million worldwide box office takes, seventh highest grossing film overall for the year, just buying Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming was slightly above that. Uh, Beauty and the Beast is, of course, number one, proving Ugh. that women are dominating the box office, as they always kind of have. Uh, but, yeah, domestically, Beauty and the Beast is the number one movie. Wonder Woman, you know, the next closest of $412 million. So it's one of only two movies to make over $400 million this year. Can, can, we, and can we just I, do an episode on bagging out Disney for doing live-action remakes, please? <laughs> yeah, and you know, can I just make a comment here? Because I never want to record a whole episode on it. I actually liked the Beauty and the Beast animated movie oh. growing up. I mean, you're a kid. It's a good movie, right? But <laughs> Ben's like, no. And I'm the one who is accused of being I gay. get ripped shit uh, into a lucky Titanic. Colin likes Beauty and the Beast. Hmm. No, hey, there's nothing wrong. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast was nominated for Best Picture, okay? Titanic won but... Best Picture. Suck it. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Drop um, mine. <laughs> I actually told Jamie, I'm like, you know, wait and watch Beauty of the Beast with me. I'm kind of curious to see if it's any good. I watched like the first 20 minutes of them. It is the exact same movie as the animated movie. Like if you're going to remake something, do it differently. And this Wonder is my Woman problem. My problem with Disney, we're going on a tangent here. It's like, okay, I can understand how Beauty and the Beast, Jungle Book, you want to make it real life. Fair enough. How are you making a real life adaptation of the Lion King? They're animals. <laughs> Yeah, it's not a live-action movie. Like, Jungle Book had one human character in it. Now, like, let's have no human characters, but we'll call it live-action. Oh, uh, like, just no, Disney. Stop it. <laughs> just stop it, Disney. Just stop it, Disney. <laughs> I'm sick of you, Disney. Stick to Star Wars and Marvel. Stop remaking your own movies into real things. No more Titanic. No more <laughs> Disney. No more Hitler. Those are the three things we're drawing the line at. (laughs) What's next? A Cars real life remake? They're Cars! They need to be animated! (laughs) Stupid Disney. Um, (laughs) Sorry, yes, the box Critically, (laughs) all right. uh, Critically, let's talk about it, because I'm going to go on a rant here about uh, James Cameron in a second. Um, But critically, you know, the movie was... Probably one of the best responses we've ever seen. I'm not even going to go through all the reviews. It would take forever. But uh, some of the 
best reviews, any superhero movies, I, the majority of them were basically saying it is the best since The Dark Knight. Some saying it's the best superhero movie ever made. Uh, incredible reviews for this. It's the first one in years, probably since The Dark Knight, to get like real Oscar buzz, even though I don't think it's going to get more than technical awards. But, you know, critics obviously love the movie. Audiences love the movie. They kept going back. Uh, one person did not love this movie, and that's James Cameron, who I think gave it like a backhanded compliment saying, oh, it was a nice attempt. But they still were objectifying Wonder Woman as a sex symbol in the movie. Okay, really? now, at what point are they objectifying Wonder Woman any more than Captain America is being objectified? Now, Captain America, when he first becomes Captain America, comes out of a box shirtless with the most incredible chest you've ever seen and the female lead of that movie touches his chest spoiler, i haven't seen when... it yet colin <laughs> and this is a woman who had no interest in him beforehand okay suicide squad is nothing but shirtless men we've talked about jamie on here i mean man <laughs> of steel batman for superman it's all shirtless men men are objectified this isn't even about objectifying you're showing off you have to show that they're a superhero now, if Wonder Woman was wearing a trench coat for this entire movie, are we going to see that she is a superhero? You have to sh- – the reason that these costumes are created is to show them, A, as having some type of symbol, that they look different. But, B, you're showing off their physique. And it's going to be no different for a woman than it is for a man. Like, James Cameron, you're an idiot. Um, we went through over and over again in Titanic. You know, he he's like, you objectified Wonder Woman. Well, you put a teenage Kate Winslet in the nude, and you made sure that you were the one drawing her breasts on your little sketch, okay? <laughs> so don't talk about objectifying women, James Cameron. That's just my rant. Rant done. Um, hi, James Cameron, if you're listening. Um, esteemed film critic, James Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the most random thing. James Cameron has an opinion on Wonder Woman. Like, okay, <laughs> cool. Um, I can't wait till Avatar 2 comes out. Gal Gadot has an opinion on Avatar 2. <laughs> um, the only thing I really add is that um, we should point out that Wonder Woman is officially the most successful superhero origin movie of all time. Um, even more so now than the original Spider-Man, 2002 Spider-Man. So that's a pretty big deal. And, um, and- also the most successful World War One movie of all time I'm seeing here. Uh, narrowly, uh, domestically made $412 million, narrowly beat out 2011's War Horse, which made $79 million. So close battle there. I, even on top of that, you know, you said origin story. That is a big deal because as far as superhero movies goes, the sequels always make more money. If you look at... The first Marvel movies, I think uh, the only one that outgrossed any of the sequels was the first Iron Man to the second Iron Man. But like Captain America, Thor, uh, those movies all made more money with each one. Uh, But yeah, look at the only superhero movies that made more money than Wonder Woman are The Dark Knight Rises, Avengers Age of Ultron, The Dark Knight, and The Avengers. So basically two Batman movies and two Avengers movies. And just Outside all- of Batman and Avengers, this is it. And also with the origin ones, you got to look at the competition, these beats here. I mean, you know, Spider-Man 2nd, Deadpool 3rd, Guardians of the Galaxy 4th. Suicide Squad is the fifth most successful suicide uh, suicide movie. Uh, origin, <laughs> that too. <laughs> but, you know, people who rip into it. <laughs> it was Suicide Squad followed by the life of David Gale. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you look at the, the Marvel... Marvel ones here in terms of origin movies, like, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy 4th, uh, Iron Man 6, 
you've got Doctor Strange at 10th. Uh, so, you know, like, I mean, the DCEU, oh, they're terrible. They're not as good as the Marvel movies. Uh, two of the top five superhero origin movies are from the DCEU. So, uh, man, it's still 7th. So, you've got three out of the top yeah. seven. On top of that, the real judge of box office, because any movie can be front-loaded and make a ton of money in its opening weekend. That's why often the highest-grossing movies of the year are movies like Spider-Man 3 that nobody walked away from actually liking. Right, <laughs> Except ben? for Ben Waterworth. Uh, <laughs> I, do like, I do it's... like your own box office mojo. Upcoming releases in the origin story, you've got Aquaman, Silver and Black, Captain Marvel, and untitled DC film, April 2020. And we know it's untitled. We know nothing about it, but it will be an origin story. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But I think staying power of a movie is what says, yes, this thing, you know, it has something. People are going back to see it. There's good word of mouth on it and everything. And Wonder Woman had the uh, best staying power. So week to week box office, the least amount of droppage, if that's a word, of any superhero movie since the original Spider-Man, 15 years, no movie held up better week to week than Wonder Woman. And even if you look at its opening weekend to its final weekend, Wonder Woman made just over $100 million in its opening weekend. So this is less than most superhero movies make nowadays. And yet it went on to make $400 million. When you look at all the other top-grossing superhero movies, they're movies that open with $150 to $200 million. I mean, the only other one in the top 10 highest-grossing superhero movies that's uh, even under you know, close to 150 are the first two Spider-Man movies, and those movies are nearly 15 years old. So just staying power of this movie was incredible. And, uh, you know, I, I I honestly feel like this is one time where they shot themselves in the foot because I believe this was still in the top 10 or it had just dropped out of the top 10 at the box office the week it came out on Blu-ray. And at that one time where I think to myself, they could have kept this in theaters and re-released it you know, uh, before Christmas or something like that, and probably made another $20 million. So uh, maybe bad timing, but uh, I'm sure that they've made up for it on Blu-ray. I'm just quickly scrolling through here the worldwide grosses of all time, you know, and obviously here on Box Office Mojo, they have sort of the yellow highlighted films, means it's still in cinemas. So currently, apparently, Despicable Me 3 has made $1.3 billion. That's terrible, really. Um, Spider-Man Homecoming, you know, $879 million. In number 55, the 55th most successful movie of all time, Wolf Warrior 2 uh, has made $870 million. Now, this must be like a, what, a Hong Kong movie or something like that, or a Chinese movie, because apparently domestically in America and Canada, it's made $2.7 million. Worldwide, $867 million. What is this movie? Wolf Warrior 2. <laughs> we will cover Wolf Warrior 2 before the end of this year. <laughs> it is, I mean, this, this, to put this into context, it is made just under $1 million less than The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Rings. It has made more than The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Inside Out, Star Wars Episode 3, Transformers, Ranger Fall, and The Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn Part 2. So, like, wow. <laughs> I want to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, we have to watch it. That's coming next week. Uh, yes. Not really, though. <laughs> uh, let's kind of wrap it up. Obviously, the big thing that happened with this is it got Wonder Woman a franchise. Uh, Wonder Woman is being used heavily in the Justice League. Now, again, people are trying to say, oh, well, they retooled the Justice League movie to put more Wonder Woman in it. Well, that's that's not true. The Wonder or the, the Justice League movie was pretty much already done. Yeah, Joss Whedon did some you know, uh, reshoots or whatever. But from what I understand, the majority of the reshoots had to do mostly with Superman in it. So uh, I don't think that they're 
backpedaling. We got to get more Wonder Woman in there. But they are giving Wonder Woman a sequel. Patty Jenkins will be back. And this is the thing that I thought was really cool. And give me your take on this because I liked what the X Men movie did. Um, the more recent trilogy. You know, I'm not saying I like X Men uh, Apocalypse, but. Uh, when they decided we're going to do a movie that's a period movie and X-Men First Class took place in the 60s, they said second part will take place in the 70s, third place, uh, third part in the 80s. And that's from what I understand is being done with Wonder Woman. So we had World War One here, and the next time we see Wonder Woman, it's going to be like Wonder Woman 2 is going to be her in probably the 50s, and then they're going to jump forward and do Wonder Woman 3, which will be her in probably the 90s. <laughs> and that this entire Wonder Woman trilogy will all take place before the Justice League movies, which I think is a really cool idea, and I'm kind of excited to see if they do that. I'm just reading here that apparently Gina Davis is in talks to appear in the second one, and I've got a huge fandom for Gina Davis, so I'm down. Um, Just randomly there. Uh, Yeah, I think I like that. I mean, my sort of random take on that, this is just Ben being his stupid film connections. Uh, I like that what they did with the Austin Powers movies, where they kind of did that, where, you know, the first one's in the 60s, the second one's sort of mainly in the 90s, and the third one's in the 70s. So, you know, I've always wanted them to do the 80s one, because I think Austin Powers in the 80s would be funny. But I like it when movies do that. You know, they kind of stick to sort of that way they've done it when it comes to sequels. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, let's put her in World War Two to kind of shut me up about Hitler. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> we all want to see Wonder Woman take on Hitler. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's a good idea to do that. And, I mean, this was sort of the one, wasn't it, where they were so quick to announce a sequel. Whereas, yeah. you know, Man of Steel, I mean, yeah, Batman v Superman technically is a sequel. Uh, you know, there's never been the Batman v Superman 2 coming up. I mean, I guess that's sort of <laughs> Justice League in a way. Uh, I mean, we've kind of now had it announced that Suicide Squad 2 is happening, but it's nothing sort of been locked in completely. So, I mean... Well, this other is... than a director and a script. Well, that too. Uh, <laughs> Gina Davis is probably attached to that as it well. Was just, it was just last week, Ben, do you remember? <laughs> we talked about it. What? Suicide Squad? What are we doing that? <laughs> but, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it, I'm excited for it. I think it's great that they're, they're going to be sort of sticking with the same team and uh, hopefully we can get the same result with it. Look at what we're doing for time. What are we at for time now, Ben? Like, just over three hours? We should keep talking more. What's going on here? <laughs> we're going to get called I mean, sexist. Not- oh, of course, the old women one you talk, like, less about. <laughs> it's, it's not for lack of having anything to talk about. Like, we've talked about so much here, but the thing is, we've agreed on almost everything, and everything we're agreeing on is how good this movie is. So I'm kind of hoping that we're going in the same direction here with the review, um, but uh, buy it, buy it, bin it. I just really randomly, I just, I don't know why I'm still talking about the sequel to Wonder Woman. I just, because I was looking at the release date here, they put it here December 13, 2019. I'm like, isn't that when episode nine will come out for Star Wars? So Wonder Woman 2 is scheduled to be released a week before Star Wars episode nine. What's, just, what's the date again? December 13, 2019, and episode nine is scheduled to be released a 20th of December, 2019. So that's going to be a bloody big week for movies. Wonder Woman 2, a week later, Star Wars episode nine. Yeah. Wow. I have a feeling they'll probably bump Wonder Woman up a bit. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, they're anyway, not going to move Star Rating, again, sorry. Uh, my question yeah. here quickly for you, Colin. You've already bought this movie. Do you... I mean, yeah. what do you do here? Because we've never... You said this at the beginning of this episode. We've never done a review followed up by the recap. So I don't know how we work this out. Do we have to put a separate one here or do you just alter it if you want to change it? Which I doubt you will anyway. Yeah. Like, like I, I figure we have the option to change it. Like, we, you know... 
uh, I rated The Mummy, and don't hate me, everybody, but I rated it as a moderate rent it <laughs> when I saw it when it first came out. And I just rewatched the movie, and I would still say rent it. But if I decided to bin it now after a second viewing, I would say we update that to a bin it. But okay. that's not happening with Wonder Woman because I am staring at my bought copy, the, <laughs> the one that I spent like three thirty five dollars on the three D copy of Wonder Woman, which is right in front of me in my hand as we speak. I bought this movie. Uh, I bought it then. I bought it physically, and I'm buying it again now. Well, I downloaded it physically. Whether or not I paid money for it or not is up to debate there. But um, hello to uh, Warner Brothers, if you're listening. Uh, my address is. Uh, but yeah, I'm buying it too. I'm completing the sweep for DCEU movies. Four bu- four buys for me. Um, you obviously rented Suicide Squad, so you're three out of four, which is still pretty decent. But um, I win. I'm better. Uh, but. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I like. I, I definitely uh, was going to buy this. I think, as I said, I've only seen this twice. Enjoyed it both times. Um, you know, it's, these are all four movies that, and we'll talk about this more obviously in our Justice League preview. But when I guess we will rate them like we sort of did with Spider Man movies before Homecoming. Um, but yeah, buy it for me. Like it. It's great. Go mm-hmm. Wonder Woman. Wonder Whoopee. <laughs> Bring on Gina Davis. And- <laughs> we're all we're almost at the end of DC month here. Well, we're at the end of DC month. We're actually in a new month now, but uh, we're I guess a week and a half, maybe two weeks, two weeks away at the time this is released. Two weeks away from Justice League. So next week we're going to be back and we're going to be doing a preview episode of Justice League, like we did for Spider Man Homecoming. Um, kind of combined preview with trailer reactions and everything like that, but. Uh, just a little bit of discussion on Justice League. Um, we only briefly talked about this today, but I mean, the release date for this movie is the 17th. Uh, because you're technically ahead of me, I'm assuming you're going to see it before everybody, at least in North America. I'm lucky. I'm just going to say this afternoon, uh, I was fully planning on watching this movie the day it came out. It was our, It's our anniversary on the 17th. Uh, uh, I got an email for this you know, email, uh, this website or whatever uh, that gives away passes to movie screenings and 99% of the time, even if it's like the worst movie in the world, I will respond like within 30 seconds of getting the email. And then when the page pops up, he'll say the screening is full somehow justice league. I respond just quick enough and I got passes to the advanced screening here. So I'll get to see this one early. And maybe if you can see it early as well, we'll get to bring you a very early review of justice league. I'm personally just happy that I'm not going to have to spend my anniversary uh, sitting next to my wife, watching a fifty-foot-tall Henry Cavill shirtless. Why? Because so, it means you might get laid on one... your anniversary. <laughs> well, or she's gonna leave me and go find Henry Cavill since he was in Winnipeg for so long filming that other movie. I smell him. Uh, exactly, he's here right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's gonna be a blast. I mean. I'm so looking forward to Justice League. It's one of these movies I've sort of dreamt about for my entire life. Probably never expected it would happen. I don't care if you love or hate the DC movies. It will be an experience just to see all these characters together. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's kind of probably, you know, one of two films this year that I'm most excited for. Uh, I think you even kind of said at one point that you're probably a little bit more excited for this than episode eight. Um, so without doubt, I'm with you there. And, you know, we've always, I think, both talked about our love of, uh, Superman and Batman, all this sort of stuff. So, you know, it was I was so excited for Batman v Superman to see them both on screen. The fact that now we kind of get all this, and this is obviously like the first time we've ever seen a, what, a, a live action, you know, makeup of these characters together. Yeah. And yeah I, I guess it was the same with the Avengers. 
Um, but, you know, this is kind of, I think, we, we talked a lot about through these ones that, you know, Batman and Superman are sort of the two biggest superheroes of all time. You know, added, mm-hmm. you know, Wonder Woman, we've already had a taste of them. But, you know, we're going to finally get a proper taste of Aquaman. No one gives a shit about Aquaman. Uh, you know, Cyborg Flash. and Flash and, you know, these sort of things like along those lines. So, um, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to seeing it. I was kind of always, I remember when, you know, the Avengers was a thing and all that became out. I used to always think like, oh, I wonder when they're going to do a Justice League one. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was um, excited for the fact that we're going to have that coming up. So, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I'm sort of glad that we tied this into the fact that sort of it makes the weeks go by quicker for us so that, you know, we're only <laughs> now this close essentially to seeing this. So, yeah, bring it on. And, uh, you know, following that, we don't want to give too much away because it's still all about Justice League right now, but we will be starting Star Wars month after that. And as we've mentioned in past episodes, we're not covering episodes one through seven just yet. That'll probably come before episode nine. Uh, we're going to do the offbeat Star Wars spinoff. So uh, coming soon will be a lot of <laughs> your not so favorite Star Wars movies, but things are going to be a blast to talk about. And of course, we have to kick it off with the Star Wars Holiday Special, so that's just a few weeks away as well. Um, ben, have you ever seen the Star Wars Holiday Special? I've never seen any of these four that we're going to be covering. None of them. Um, oh, you know, I've gotten them all now. But, uh, yeah, this is what uh, I'm sort of excited about. I mean, you know, the Holiday Special is just one of these things you hear so much about, of course. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of... I think I mentioned this in the Geostorm spoiler-free review, available now via the Oz Network, uh, that, you know, I, I sort of am ashamed as a Star Wars fan that I've never seen any of these films. So, um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I nearly did go see the Clone Wars one at the cinema, but I just never did. I don't know why. Because <laughs> it was animated. I'm not huge on animation, so that's probably why. But, um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's kind of just an interesting way of doing it sort of in the lead-up to Star Wars. And, uh, you know, I think you and I are both still going to do our own personal rewatches of all, you know, eight, seven oh, episodes, yeah. including Rogue One as well. So we're going to be very Star wars out between now and then. But it's just it, to me, it's just amazing how quickly this has gone. I mean... You know, it just seems like yesterday we were counting down the moments for episode seven. And then, you know, Noah and I are going to the midnight screening and debating about doing an episode without you for Survivor Oz, which we did anyway. So, you know, um, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> and your punishment is that I'm making you watch both Ewoks movies and the Star Wars <laughs> Holiday Special. Apparently. Um, uh, but yeah, that's going to be fun too. But uh, of course, I'll just sleep before then. Uh before we get to that, Ben, are you back on with Nip Tuck and Third Watch now? Yes, indeed. Nip Tuck is back and raring to go. We're sort of moving through season three. We're excited in season two of Third Watch and we've got uh, sort of a new co-host joining us for some of the episodes. We haven't gotten rid of Brandy, but uh, we've just got a new uh, person, Darvell, joining us for some episodes as well as we can pump them out. Lost is being pumped out as well. Uh, we're pumping a lot of shit out, to be honest. Um, it's, just, it's just our Survivor stuff, which we're known for, which we're struggling with at the moment to get off the ground. We had a bit of another failed moment today with another exit interview, but we'll post that on social media about what happened. Uh, and it looks as a recap this week, probably not happening. We have to combine that next week. So what we're known for the most is kind of we're struggling as we move into other content. But uh, how about Star Trek Discovery, Colin? How's that moving along? Uh, well, I gotta be honest, the only time I had to record this week for anything uh, was taken up by recording Wonder Woman, so Star Trek Discovery is put on the back burner, but uh, we're probably gonna do, we're either gonna put this week's Star Trek Discovery episode out over the weekend, or we're just gonna combine them and do a double episode when the next one comes out on Sunday, but uh, we are still doing Star Trek Discovery, and uh, also Thor Ragnarok, you know, we kind of 
mentioned Thor briefly during this episode, uh, dating it, uh, of course, as always. But yeah, Jamie and I will be doing a Thor Ragnarok episode. Uh, she did not watch the first Thor movie. I dragged her to the second Thor movie and she hated it. Uh, I am dragging her to the third Thor movie. We'll see if she finally comes around on this character. I haven't even liked the first two Thor movies, so uh, I'm very hopeful that this one's finally going to make up for the first two. But we'll be doing that one uh, probably within a day or so of this episode going out. Uh, yeah, I might see Daddy's Home 2 when that comes out. Um, I, I like Yeah! The, I like the first Daddy's Home. Have you ever seen that? I thought it was funny. So, um, no. Mel Gibson and John Lithgow, uh, John Cena apparently is in it. I saw him in the new trailer. I didn't realize he was in it. So, um, yeah. Uh, I was going to do a Michael Jackson Halloween recap episode, but that was bullshit. So, <laughs> bin it. Uh, there we go. Done. Michael Jackson's well, Halloween. Let's just officially both bin it right now. <laughs> I was such a huge fan of Michael Jackson. I'm like, oh, this kind of seems fun. The soundtrack was fantastic. Like, the, the music was yeah. brilliant. Of course it was. But what the fuck did I watch? <laughs> I'm ashamed. I mean, they're guaranteed, they're going to be airing annually for the next 50 oh, years. Oh my lord! It was. I mean, like I'm listening to the the actors. I'm like, is that bloody Sheldon? And it was. And then apparently Lucy <laughs> Liu was one of the voices. And uh, apparently, um, oh, I've gone blank on the actors. Alan Cumming, <laughs> all over your face, was in it. Um, but, oh. <laughs> it was terrible. I'm not even putting that on our official ratings. It was that bad. So. Um, but you know, um, I, 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 I've been Geostorm. I was allowed to bin something <laughs> myself. So we put our ratings recap up during the week and we had hardly any bins, but that was the first time I think I'd done a solo review and I'd binned it. So, you know, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so join us again next week for our justice league episode and then all that other fun stuff we talked about in the week coming up. Uh, we're done with Wonder Woman here, Ben, uh, but not done because she'll be back in Justice League. Wonder Woman will return. Uh, my name is Colin, and I also wanted to be an actor, but I am also the wrong color. And racist Colin. My name, what's my, <laughs> my name is Ben, and I, too, look forward to penises dropping from the sky, anally penetrating, and Wonder Whoopee! Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.